Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 4, titled Dissonance Theory. Uh, I'm not starting over. You just you just gave away secrets, uh, the secrets of uh No, no, you don't understand. This is an alternate timeline. Oh, right. So this is you 30, 30 years thir- ago. 30 years ago, I was just Aaron. Another life. All right. right. Uh this now the real is, this the, the is the real, tone the podcast is going to the take. real noodle bender is I'm am I a host or am I a guest? I don't know. Do you have any cookies for me? Because <laughs> that's the only way I know. Mm. Uh, so we're going to talk about episode one hundred and four today. What do you think? I thought it was another great episode. I liked the fact that they are um, showing the evolution of these robots from multiple perspectives. I like the fact that we're getting uh, more information about. Dr. Ford, it's starting. he's starting to come into a more menacing focus. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he just doesn't want people to fuck with his park. I mean, yeah. you say menace, I say he doesn't like to be fucked with. You know, this is his goddamn company. He did all this shit. And mm-hmm. The money men need to get the fuck out. Like, you know, speaking of 30 years in the future, if there's some money man trying to fuck with Bald Move, I might bulldoze their childhood amusement park just to make my point if I had that kind of money. So right. I wouldn't say that was me being menacing. That's me just setting appropriate, healthy boundaries with my work workmates. Playing God. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You will. Nothing unhealthy about that. What do you think? No. Uh, yeah, I also liked it. I, I realize now kind of what they're doing with both the titles and the different aspects of uh, the show that they're deciding to highlight each episode. I feel like they're highlighting the different sort of ideas behind consciousness with each thing because – as as today's episode is called Dissonance Theory, um, you can kind of see that coming into focus with these two dis- disparate worlds that they're living in, right? Um, and there's something in their minds that is not letting that, that is not lining up, and they need to they have they are driven to solve that problem one sure. way or another. Totally can relate. Uh, for people who are not versed in cognitive dissonance and dissonance theory, um, I. I knew kind of the general principle, but I looked it up and and read an article on it. Uh, So cognitive dissonance is kind of the tension you feel when you are holding two um, conflicting behaviors, beliefs, or attitudes at the same time. Uh, And dissonance theory states that when when this effect happens, that you will attempt to bring your cognitions, which are those behaviors or opinions, Mm -hmm. attitudes, beliefs, into some kind of agreement with each other. And that is done in one of or several of three ways. Uh, you change your attitude or the behavior, mm-hmm. which uh, is sometimes not easy to do, especially with habits. Uh, you can acquire new information that kind of uh, changes your perspective on things. Probably doesn't have to be accurate information. Uh, yeah, because you it can wouldn't go, have to be. You can go searching for the truth or you can go searching for confirmation. Right. Or you can reduce the importance of one of the the particular cognitions. So, like, the idea of of li- it's better to live for today than to save for tomorrow is some mm-hmm. some uh, people's outlook, right. and and they have decided to to value one cognition over another. Right? right. They realize the importance of both, but they're going for one. Right. So you can see that. That conflict, that dissonance theory uh, holding true, especially in Dolores, you know, she's and in Maeve, especially mm-hmm. this episode, they are both kind of seeing these two worlds that they can't, that feel completely um, foreign from each other. Right. And they're trying to understand that, Can <laughs> trying I... to bring that into consonance. So the other thing, because I think there's also another uh, application of dissonance theory 
Mm-hmm. Um, is that I felt in this episode because I, I I don't know I don't think you're with me on this particular voyage, but I'm trying to decide whether or not these whether or not these robots deserve the extension of rights as conscious beings. And I felt like the first scene with Bernard and Dolores kind of throw cold water on how human Dolores is in fact becoming. Because she makes this, you know, kind of eloquent thing where she discusses her feelings, and he asks her if it's 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 something written. She goes, "Oh, I just adapted it from an, another something that was prescripted about love." Right. Which to me rang like, okay, well, this is just a, this is just a robot, you know, you know, chopping up stuff and spitting out something different and mm-hmm. then of course i also start thinking well are we any different than that but then right. so so i i was kind of down on dolores being quote-unquote woke this episode but then mave by the end of the episode seems inc- very human like i was struggling to um you know that none of this stuff per- ter- you know pertains to her prime directives or what she's actually supposed to be doing um she's acting in a way that i would recognize as a human trying to you know, identify areas of dissonance and try to gather new information and stuff that's probably not part of her programming as a as a horror master. Right. Um, and she came off very human and like, you know, I'm still stuck in this thing where I'm not quite sure. Like I'm leaning towards it. Not all like Teddy seems like he's just, you know, doing his his thing. Right. Um, and also the other thing that challenges um, you see a guy like the guy who bashed his brains out last episode. And he seems like a big dumb lug, mm-hmm. you know, not just his brutish looks, but just, you know, everything about him. But with these robots, you can't really judge a book by the cover because they're, you know, it, you could have the biggest dumb fuck looking robot. Mm-hmm. But they've got the same, you know, essential programming and wetware and neural connections that someone that looks like Albert Einstein, a robot looks like. Because they're they're designed and market tested like Hector, you know, to appeal to a certain way and have a different look. But But they could be loaded with any software. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's really – that stuff is the thing that's really been in my noodle this week Mm -hmm. um, in my quest to understand exactly how much compassion and how many – uh, how how much rights or how much consideration these beings, if that's even the correct word to describe them as, uh, sh- should merit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to be a question for a while going forward. I don't know if they'll ever get beyond that and kind of try to define uh, a yes or no answer there. Right. But certainly we should be asking those questions. Right. What do you think the show – do you feel like that there is a – um, the show is putting the thumb on one side of the scale or not, because I feel like the show is pretty heavily putting its thumb on that these robots are conscious yeah, me too. side of the scale. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Okay. Should we get into the recap? Actually, before we get to the episode discussion, I want to mention something that we just started uh, coming back on the air. If you are a fan of The Walking Dead, we have a podcast called uh, Watching Dead, uh, where we... Um, you know, it's not the greatest show in the world, but we do like to have fun covering it. We like to, you know, joke about the show. It's 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 an entirely different feel from watching Westworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're hungry for more content and you're watching it on your Sunday nights anyway, might want to check it out. It's available on baldmove.com or your favorite podcast aggregator. We open on another conversation with Dolores. Bernard is asking if she wants him to make the pain of losing her family go away, but she wants to keep it in in some in some ways, I think she'd rather be sentient with pain than a zombie without it. Yeah, um, she's which it's the red pl- red pill, blue pill question. Right, right. Uh, Dolores says she might be losing her mind, and Bernard asks her to play a game, a maze, in order to be free. 
then she wakes up in the desert with William gun in hand. Yep, with a poil in her face, off in her coffee. <laughs> or maybe it's just a cup of warm milk. Uh, uh, this is an interesting scene because of all the timeline theories, I'm I'm wondering where Bernard's conversations with Dolores fit in. That's the thing. they're like, always isolated, right? I mean, he never has sure. these conversations in the context of someone else. Right. Um, you also mentioned you came into the office with a head of steam saying, I'm ready to bust some theories. Right. <laughs> to me, the, this is the, the, I'm having a hard time rationalizing where in the quote unquote stream of time Bernard has this, this conversation. Right. Because I just saw her collapse in the Williams arms this next morning. Although I guess mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be the exact next morning because they've been on the trail for this guy some nebulous amount of time, but certainly I think we're supposed to believe that it's the next day. In between there, we're led to believe that Bernard has this conversation with her. Now, these guys got to pass out at some time. We know that the the park, there's a lot of arguments in this, not arguments, but information we find out about this episode where they know a lot about the guests. Like, they can coordinate, oh, a family's coming back to town in the middle of a massacre. Mm -hmm. Time to wrap it up. You know, they do calculus about, well... There's two guests that are going to have their fun squashed versus three families that are going to say, you know, one out of ten, never coming back again, worst Westworld ever. Uh, let's put the guy in jail and have a whore bail him out the next day. So I guess it's possible that Bernard could just, you know, tell her to come come see him once they fall asleep. But mm-hmm. also, is it possible that he's having this conversation in some kind of a construct? Uh, I'd, I don't know about that. Um, well, these are all wireless. I'm not sure he's connected. jacking into the world here and and just like talking to her, right? Through their networking, right? Um, because she's also clothed, which is a very like it seems like one of the standard operating procedures is to strip the hosts naked before they start debugging them or talking with them. Yeah, now, that that like could it. be him granting her a measure of humanity, mm-hmm. contra what. Dr. Ford was doing last week, carving up the dude's face mm-hmm. and bitching about the towel covering him. But that's the one thing that I think is a bit of a, fa- a fairly strong piece of evidence that maybe there's a different timeline. I'm not a huge believer of that. And I also think it's like, I, I don't have anything more to say than here is a piece of evidence that I, you know, and that's the other thing is easily, you know, easily explainable. The guys fell asleep. She has now five to six to eight hours to go have this conversation with Bernard and get back before she's not found. But what if William wakes up in the middle right. of the night and she's gone? Now yeah. that fuck, fuck, fucking breaks immersion. Right, and it seems their primary focus is to not break immersion ever. Now, I don't think that's Bernard's primary focus, especially with Dolores. Sure. Yeah. And I also, like, I don't know... I want to challenge your dismissal of the construct idea. I'm not saying he's actually going into, like, a Matrix-style loading screen, but... Okay. You know, could there be additional copies of Dolores? Like, and if they're wirelessly linked up, couldn't he just grab one and be like, establish a neural link? And I mean, I'm see here, I'm possibly fucking fan. This is just fan fiction. I mean, right? So, yeah, it's possible, but it doesn't. It's tough to say. Like, I would almost say that he's having these conversations before any of right. the William stuff right. has happened. Like, maybe he planted the gun for her because it's very conspicuous when he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna." let you play a game uh, a maze and you, you can potentially be free and then we shoot right to the gun so you're saying there's a different timeline but it's because the this is a conversation he's had 
before and that she says you know she's remembering this in the context of a dream because that's how she first experienced it and now when she's in her sleep cycle she's experiencing it again because of the reverie routine or whatever right it All might right. be a flashback that actually sounds really good and, and and kind of this whole arc she's on is maybe part of bernard's uh plan for her right no that actually sounds that actually sounds really plausible i i don't know and obviously like i'm kind of just spitballing here but uh and i don't want to get too deep down this theory and invest too much in it because there's nothing to really support it yet right uh but it was interesting so what did you read on i I also i also just want to say that like the the other possibility is like i get i got a lot of emails about the economics of westworld and how they're not working or working okay and like to me that's not and i've I've indulged this the last few weeks but at at some point you got to be like if you've proven on some kind of blackboard that the westworld economics don't work you've done fucked up because Mm -hmm. the world is working like rich people are paying this Westworld sure. is not going is bankrupt. Open. Yeah, they are not. They're not obsessing over how much gunshot repairs are costing and how much specialized. I was like, that's you're, you're missing a part of your equation. You can't go QED. Thus, this world. Or, or if you do, then you got to stop watching the show. Sure. Yeah. So it's like it's 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 trying to draw the line between what is valid and like how many shots is the man of black fire. Like you got to draw a <laughs> line between. What do you think Jonathan Nolan cares about and what yeah. you care about? And if the gap, if the dissonance between those two cognitions is too great, then, yeah. you know, you either got to let it go or start rolling with it or move on to a different show. Because I'm starting to increasingly think that sometimes Nolan just – these details about how hosts move around and how they're being shuffled around and all that stuff, just he doesn't care about. Yeah, I – I do still think that it's interesting to ask these questions. I just think yes. that people are going a little too far in the speculation. Like when I say I'm going to I'm going to shut down a bunch of theories, I'm not doing it with specifics, but like I think this story is far more straightforward than people are are anticipating. Yeah. I think maybe they're doing minor things with time jumps. Right. Certainly they're doing flashbacks. I'm not going to Right. I'm not going to dismiss that, but I don't think they're doing like, oh, this character is this character from the past, and mm-hmm. now he's he's in the future, and he's come back to finish a thing that he started 30 years ago. I don't think any of that shit's real. Mm-hmm. I think that's all being read into by the fans, I mean, you, and you, that's where they go a bridge too far for me. You could very well be wrong. Yeah, sure. But, you know, anytime it seems like I'm, uh, anytime you go beyond just a noting of like, oh, this could be this, and start, which must mean that. Right. That's where, you know, you, you start entering. like And building not, on theories that haven't been proven yet to, right. pr- to support th- other theories. Or three theories. I'm going to blend those three theories together to come up right. with another two. That's a recipe for a disaster, in my opinion. Sure. But, uh, so I, I was talking a little bit about maybe what time these interviews are happening in. Did you read anything on Bernard's face when Dolores starts talking about the pain of her family's loss is all they all that she has left of them? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that seemed to hit him, right? This, I mean, this is she's she's repeating what he said to his ex-wife or current wife or estranged wife, whatever, right? Um, last episode. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the fact that she is... But then again, if she's programmed with all, like, Shakespeare and all this other great works, plus all the stuff that the hack writers are filled... And, and I think he's he's trying to determine the truth here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why, but I think he wants this robot to be conscious. And But he's also enough of a scientist that he's always, like, trying to check his, you know 
check his theories like yo she just said something profound is that something that you came up with on your own or is that something that was scripted and oh well it's a a rehash of a script Mm -hmm. um so i don't know but it is an improvisation so like but they're programmed to do that that's one of their foundational like you know logic engine things yeah uh the other thing i thought was interesting and the, the the kind of one of the bombs this episode dropped is bernard knows about the maze yeah, he does. I was super surprised to find that you know he does like, and 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 so and, what does he know about Arnold? He didn't dude, know about Arnold, but he knows about the maze, dude. Not only that, but to what extent is Ford manipulating? Uh, what extent is Bernard in on the joke? Like there is a blend of this because Ford is clearly telling him half truths and and doing things for his own end. He's clearly doing some of the stuff with Dolores for his own edification satisfaction. But is that also being manipulated by Ford? And the fact that he knew about the maze really is a is a mind bender for me. Yeah, it's a real good question. Uh, how he knew. Uh, let me ask you one more question, and then we'll move on from this scene. All right. Unless you have something extra. Uh, so we we see that, you know, time and time again that these bots, when they're commanded to, can shut down their emotions, right? Yes. Do you think they have the ability to just do that themselves if they feel like it? Hmm. It doesn't seem like it because you'd think that a robot, if they had the ability to do it, would always prefer to do that. Because it must be unpleasant, or it's extra work, so like... Yeah, you but know. it go, would go against their programming. I guess. At, in like, the so, park, so why do right? they why do they keep it the affect when they're in some kind of lab situation? Right. Um. I, yeah. I, I. I don't have any great ideas for that. Okay. Although it'd be hilarious curious. if uh, the robots interpreted the command to decrease their emotional response the same way a normal human <laughs> parses. Hey, just calm down when they're right. upset. Fuck you. I'll Fuck you. I'm going to decrease my much. <laughs> flips the table. and <laughs> Right. Flips the table through the ceiling because I guess they're super strong. I don't know. Right. Uh, all right. We go to the saloon and Maeve is having more trouble with memory flashes. Uh, she flashes back to when a guy shot up the saloon and killed her. They took her in and removed most of the bullet fragments, but they patched her up before they got all of them, and or or she thinks they did. And right. then she goes home, freaked out, and looks in the mirror. There's no wound, but there is a little blood on her clothes, and she sketches her vision of the mechanics, which I'm gonna I'm gonna call them throughout the episode, uh, the the shades, I guess, as Hector later calls them, and goes to put it on the floorboard uh, in the floorboards when she finds a bunch more identical drawings that she's done. Which tells her, "Oh, this is not the first time I've done this." Um. So, did you recognize the player piano music in this scene? Uh, no, I did not. But I, I know it's the Cure now. Okay, you're right. So it's the Cure of Forest, and I, I think I've heard that a time or two, but I've never, you know, d- didn't didn't have any kind of real uh, depth of knowledge about it. And I looked into it, and Smith uh, said that. It was based on a dream he had as a child where he was lost in the woods and unable to escape it. <laughs> okay. That seems very thematic to what Maeve is feeling here. I don't and yeah. like, I don't think this bears any um, other further analysis, but I thought it was interesting. All right. Um, also, like, you know, we we see this, you know, the, the you know, how did she get a staph infection, you know, because the park gets sloppy occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of recognizing things, did you recognize the guy who shoots up the bar? No. Or the saloon. Who is it? Uh, so this guy, I think, is on a poster in episode two, uh, a wanted poster. So oh. this must be a flashback to to at, at least before then, 
um, maybe the same day. Is he a host or a? I, I think he's a guest. Okay. Yeah, and but they put him, right, right, right. Like, they he went going, in there. He they shot show the him saloon. quote unquote going crazy, but he's just having fun shooting people up drunk. Right. Which it's amazing to me. Like, I think shooting up the saloon would be the first thing that a lot of people would do. Sure. It's it, it's actually surprising to me that it ever doesn't happen right <laughs> like, like the saloon yeah. isn't just perpetually full of blood yeah you never go in there and like oh someone's not you know right you got to get there early right to get, actually get a drink at that saloon <laughs> right right it's like going to you know it's like if you sat and had coffee underneath or around the eiffel tower you're gonna see someone take a fucking picture of it or more right. specifically a making out if you, yep. if you if you get a table and have coffee next to the, tower, the leaning tower of pizza you're going to see a, someone taking a picture of a forced perspective <laughs> that they're holding it up or pushing it down like that's just gonna happen yeah every 15 fucking minutes right yeah it feels like the saloon shooting would also be that right and there's probably westworld hipsters like of course this jackass is going to shoot up the saloon you know like oh here, right. here they go oh first can you spot the noob yeah. yeah uh so we go to the lab and elsie is explaining to Teresa what happened with the stray in the previous episode uh Teresa is suspicious and she decides that qa is going to handle all the investigations of the anomalous vince from now on and Bernard agrees. Elsie is pretty pissed, and she wants to tell Teresa about the constellation she found. But Bernard says, look, you're imagining things the hosts aren't. And that carving is actually not Orion because it has an extra star in the belt. Mm. What the hell is with the extra star? Well, in is there this, any speculation? In this timeline that's actually millions of years in the future, the mm. Orion constellation's perspective has shifted such that... There are no. I, From I, the I perspective don't know. of Mars, Orion actually has a fourth <laughs> star in his belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I think you need a little bit more parallax than going from Earth to Mars to get a shift <laughs> right. in a constellation. That's what I think. Orion's uh, most of the stars in there are a couple thousand light years away. But uh-huh. who knows? I don't know because I was really set to um, believe that he was doing something with stars, and that was another th- manifestation of this need for religion that these robots are are experiencing with with Ford's latest programming. Um, but clearly they're throwing a little bit of, of doubt into there. Has anyone tried to overlay this on top of anything, like the, the image of the maze or like the image of the park as seen from above or something? I don't think so. Or the image of the Delos facilities themselves? Uh, no, not to my knowledge. Okay. That's where I would have started, but I I didn't do it. No, I did read the entire Wikipedia article article on the Orion constellation and its history and all the different meanings and stuff because I was just trying to sift to see like what the hell I could make come up with and I really did just end up being about sixty minutes of uh, me masturbating to astronomy slash astrology. So yeah, how long is it going to be before Elsie? defies bernard man i was actually you know i was predicting that she was going to kind of go rogue last episode and i I guess she kind of did she's she's the the first step is you know talk about your misgivings with your superior and if that doesn't get you anywhere then you know do 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 whatever you got to do um but i thought she took some of this shutdown also i thought that she continuing to tell the administrator kind of like i guess the the what, what is her department it's not quality control or qa Q, no her Qual- she's not assurance. qa lc no, no, is uh, behavior behavioral yeah yeah um that like the behavioral is trying to still keep this cover up going i thought she'd be more afraid but i guess 
you know, she's kind of a more of a logical bent than most. And, you know, she, after everything calms down, she's like, oh, well, you know, this could be the Samaritan reflex or mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that we discussed. Yes. Uh, uh, last week. Yeah. She, really. She clearly sees a pattern of misbehavior, though. Right. That she's privately that more worried her. about. But she thinks that behavioral has got it's it's kind of a departmental turf. Like she doesn't want the yeah. jokers from this. She wants to, you know, it's just kind of like when in every movie, when the FBI the county right. sheriffs and the local police department get together that it's immediately unzip and start wigg- wa- waggling their dicks around. Yeah. Um, I think also the, 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 some interesting piece of evidence we got or some information was the fact that these are biological based machines that the, his brain was described as wetware, which mm-hmm. is how, uh, you know, like scientists talking about neur- you know, neurology of the brains describe our, our, you know, not hardware, it's wetware with software running on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the fact that it can decompose when it's damaged. Ah, yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, his head looked like a n- just nothing but so much as a bunch of busted meat. Yep. Um, it did when he actually started briefly moving around. It did. There was a lot of whirring and clicking. So I don't think it's mm-hmm. as simple as all that, but God damn, I still can't figure out what these things are made out of. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. And now, I, in feedback, I did get several people emailing me an article about protein scaffolding and, like, the current state-of-the-art for 3D-printed meat. Right, yeah. And it does seem like they are trying to explicitly show a slightly futurized version of that. Yeah. So I think that maybe these things are 100% meat. Yeah, maybe maybe it's, you know, some kind of... I don't know, integrated circuitry almost inside of meat where, like... Right. You you have neurons in all the different parts that can right. communicate with each other in in the same way that like the brain can right, right. which would which would allow them for like squib like effects and sure. stuff like that maybe yeah because that's the other thing know. is like they've got um, I know they like they dumped a lot of information this episode but the, it's almost like the information has more questions right. than it actually answers things and again you're going to get to a point where I you're, you're going to li- you're you're going to reach the limits of what Jonathan Nolan has the patience to explain sure and he, I think. Also, if I was a showrunner, I'd want to leave some of this mysterious to give me wiggle room for seasons three, two through five. Yeah, you know? and I've seen interviews with them, uh, him and Joy, that both they say, "Yeah, we're not really interested in explaining all the details. We want to leave some things ambiguous and allow people to speculate and interpret the way they see fit." Right. So William wants to take Dolores back to Sweetwater, but Logan demands they see out the mission he started. Uh, Logan tells William that the park staff sent Dolores to him because he smiled at her. And they're just trying to make his stay pleasant. And that they're here on business. This is where things get interesting with these two characters, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Uh, The company needs to bump our stake in this place. Right. Something that Logan says. Uh, Do they... So what company is he referring to? Delos? Or the company that uh, no. he works for, or think, his family owns. Yeah, I think that there's there's this is a partnership or consortium, or there's people that have you know ownership stake and stocks in this, and his family company that him and his sister that William is marrying right. are involved in this. Yeah, so are they here on like a research project to see if they should invest more? Well, I, if so, I think Logan's the wrong guy to send. He wouldn't be able sure. to tell if something was wrong in this park. Um, well, I don't know because William He's seemed so slightly bummed that this is about business, and uh-huh. I don't think necessarily. I think it's just you know one of these things where like I don't know that happens with you and I. Like we're on vacation or we're just doing something else, and business just pops up. Sure, yeah. I mean that's essentially if you're yeah. an entrepreneur, the lines between business and and your personal life are necessarily blurred. True. 
Um, but I don't know. I thought this was interesting. I do still continue to think Logan, like, nothing worse than when someone wants to role play and you're stuck with a power gamer. Oh, man. And that's the thing. Like, Jesus Christ, this guy finally finds something that he is interested in, and this is the first time here, and you just insist on doing it your way anyway. Like... Yeah, this is why I think Logan's just a, a huge asshole. He's it's a because giant asshole. he's railroading him to play the game. He, and that it's not Logan about wants him, him to play. It's not about him fucking. And like I, I felt like that. That I was slightly disappointed that they showed William's frustration as being just, oh, you're just being evil. Because mm-hmm. he's right. It is just a game. It's more like motherfucker. Like we went to the beach. You want to surf? I want to use a metal detector, and you're telling me. You're like you're essentially taking my metal detector, throwing it in the ocean, and then hit me with a surfboard. Like right. that's not how I want to have fun at this attraction. Yeah, I mean he's expressing the frustration that Logan just wants to kill and fuck everything. Right. Uh, he wants. That's to play not character. the way that William wants to play this game. He right. wants to role play. Right. There yeah. are people who just want to, and he wants to role play run, as a white do boss hat. runs, and there are people sure. who want to RP and let the guy RP, man. Sure. And like I said, if you, you don't know, like it, go do your own thing. <laughs> yeah, like there's, and also the first time you play through a campaign is different than the hundredth time you play through a campaign. Right, hundredth time, yeah, sure. Skip all the NPCs, tell them to shut the fuck up, maybe mm-hmm. shoot them in the face, do what you need to do to get your upgraded gun. Yeah, but God damn this guy! And I wish that they would actually <laughs> have that meta conversation rather than reduce it to, uh, I just you just want to be evil and you just want to be white hat. Like, how about it's about him wanting to play the game the way he wants to play it. Yeah. Uh, so the man in black is cutting the heads off snakes, but he can't find the next piece of the puzzle. And he says he's looking for the end of the story, and then he notices Armistice bathing in the river with a large snake tattoo on her. And Hector's men find them, and they want to feed them to the horses. But the man in black convinces Armistice to let him and Lawrence join their party. Do horses... I mean, I don't know. that I've been... I've I, I've spent several years around horses. I've never once seen them eat meat. Now robot horses do. Robot Westworld oh. horses are carnivores. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, just unslakeable quench for human blood. Yeah. Uh, Arnold eaten by a horse. <laughs> Thirty years ago. Yeah, that's the thing. You, you thought you thought that the humans were the dangerous ones. It's the he, horses. He had a carrot in his hand, and the horse started chomping it, and just didn't stop chomping. Didn't stop. Didn't stop. Ate him from the wrist up. <laughs> It's brutal. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, thought, I thought horses were herbivores. Didn't know they're yeah. omnivores. That's very strange to me too. Uh, maybe, maybe these are like mask horses. They, I, they took them from Wyatt, and these horses have some strange ideas. Sure, they've had some some spells cast on them, and they're they're uh, you know no longer fully horse. Yeah, we do get some more insight into what uh, the man in black is there for. He's trying, so he. I mean, later on he talks about Arnold, but here he says, look, I've read every page in this book except for the last one, and I'm here to find out how it ends. I want to know what it all means. So my question is, so this is ultimately, I think this puts a kibosh on a lot of the crazier Man in Black theories. Oh, yeah. About him being, this episode about him being a, a host, about him being, you know, Arnold, to me, this, this seems <laughs> like he is like a power gamer who mm-hmm. has hung out at on the Westworld the Game subreddit, and there is a few people that have gotten this far, and they're speculating about the, this. They've heard something slip about the maze, or yeah, you know, they notice this is like something crazy about the person's bit of scalp or something, and and they put these clues together, and he, as a obsessive fan, wants to find this Easter egg. 
and he right. wants to get to the one thing he hasn't done yet, and he's there for that new experience. Yeah, this idea of Arnold, uh, of the Man in Black being Arnold, was insane to me from the start, because I, like, uh, okay, it, it relies on you believing that he didn't actually assault Dolores in that barn, which Why? is insane, because do I don't think, think Arnold would do that to his sentient creatures. 30 years of I mean that's the thing like I don't want to say anything's like crazy or not crazy because like I think it would be premature to say that but but he had like from uh, from what we know of Arnold he had a better relationship with these bots than he did with humans from what Ford has told us cared, about it yeah sure uh, sure sure this I mean, might if be you my, take Ford at his word this might be my uh, bias is I think that like I had the theory just I spun up but that maybe Dr. Ford has like you know, use the fact that no one really remembers the park history to kind of mm-hmm. blur who believed in what. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. Uh, but maybe uh, Arnold was a heartless because also isn't what Ford hater. said later on to Teresa directly contradicting what he told Bernard because it made it seem like that Doctor Ford was the optimistic, hopeful one that thought everything would be okay. But I thought that I, I got the impression that those roles were reversed when he talked to Bernard the first time. That that hmm. you know that his partner was the one that was Pollyanna and and believed that you know because if again if you, I don't know I, I guess the only thing I'm basing that on is that he said Arnold didn't know two things one this place is the last place you'd want to make something conscious right. if he was a pessimist thinking that man is a fallen creature just going to indulge all of his worst nightmares why the hell would he do that uh I don't know i guess he could just be a morpheus and he thinks that people, a little cruel th- think, thinks that <laughs> conscious creatures should know the truth about their world maybe uh i don't know but he's creating the consciousness they don't have to be conscious come on arnold uh but well i mean well 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 if he through his three years of studying this saw that consciousness was going to be an inevitable result of the sure. complex neural networks then right there you go like you can't make the realist these robots this realistic and not have them eventually through some kind of emergent property a small percentage of them are going to achieve consciousness and maybe yep. if you let them run long enough that's inevitability like all of them will eventually acquire the little tools that they need to become conscious yeah but regardless the man in, the man in black is on a mission and he's not arnold and he's not a host <laughs> no uh, so someone from to the, to the extent that I'll be pissed if it turns out that he's a host at this point. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this story seems a lot more straightforward than people are trying to make it. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, sure. Because I want to explore the bigger issues. I think of consciousness there's still there's and... still twists and mysteries, but they're not like, oh right. my god, this you know, it's like fucking. The uh, mystery now is Inception. What, what is the what is the final page? Right. What does it all mean? Exactly. What did Arnold do? Uh, what is his final story to tell? And, not like. And, and to what extent is Ford aware of that final game? And to what extent yeah. is Ford working to achieve it or working to thwart it or that? You know. And these all seem more interesting questions to me than is this guy the this yeah, guy from just trying to work out ago, the mechanics? And, oh my god, what a twist! Like, yeah, yeah. That doesn't that that kind of storytelling rarely does it for me anymore mm-hmm. it's more about the the emotions and the ideas in the story not okay some twist um anyway someone from qa tells Stubbs that dolores is way off her story and he says to flag her with uh behavior the the department so they can examine her just just real quick there nothing to talk about much uh dolores runs into lawrence's daughter so are we he's 
we think Stubbs is talking about the current loop that Dolores is on right now. With William, yeah. If that's true, then, that then kills I, the 30 years ago. Right, because we've seen this same theory. guy, unless you're going to say that Stubbs is a host, which I grant they they at least winked at that possibility when he says, well, maybe that's part of my backstory, her, her last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, like I said, I, 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 I'm not inclined to think this show is going down that direction. Yeah, me either. Um, Dolores runs into Lawrence's daughter and has a flashback of herself at a gravesite in this town, uh, also at a church. And then a man says she's lost and wants to take her back to her ranch, but William interrupts them. The guy leaves and they head off. I do want to say that this is another fairly good piece of evidence that there is an alternate timeline because this is the same steeple that we saw. Right. I mean, we know there are alternate. We know there are flashbacks. That's not, that's not a question. Okay. All right, but she is flashing back to a time where... Okay, so you're saying that it's possible... So do you think that Dolores is part of the thing that happened 30 years ago? Yeah, could be. Okay. Because, I mean, we've seen this church steeple, but, right? But what we're saying Buried is these flashbacks are just isolated flashbacks. They're not supposed to suggest that we have current contemporary timelines that are happening, you know... I guess what I was the, trying to say that is that we're being shown multiple timelines as if they were concurrent and yeah. Plus, she's with William now. She's not wasn't with William back in a flashback where she's seeing this church right. and all that stuff. So, so. she's flashing back. Okay, beyond the thirty years. All right, to, I don't want to talk because I was a little fuzzy going into there. Is like, was this evidence for or against? And it seems like it's more evidence against. Yeah, I think these are straightforward flashbacks. These are the the memories kicking in the reveries that they're talking about. Gotcha. Know? Um, so. It's interesting to me. It, this episode really impressed upon me just how much care they take not to interrupt the guest's experience, not yeah. to disrupt that. Because this guy, if you didn't get this, um, I think that this sheriff who comes up to her and grabs her by the arm is an employee of right. Delos. And Part, he's there to recall dudes, her, right? to, to pull her, like right. Stubbs in, said. In universe, in a way that wouldn't, or, you know arouse any right. suspicion but when a guest says she's with me he's like oh sorry my mistake and and, and fucks off yeah he could i don't, be a I don't host think program. he's a host he could be there's like you know but i you know just like elsie was dressed as an old-timey doctor going around right you know now the real question is what is up with the spacesuit retrieval teams I mean, why do they have in a universe suits? where they recognize the need for going incognito so you don't break immersion and you've got Elsie skulking about with her old timey doctor routine? What the fuck are they doing with the spacesuits? Like, why? There's nothing particularly hazardous about these robots that, or, that you'd need them. So, why? Like, what happens if a guy, like, uh, wakes up from fucking a whore at two o'clock in the morning, stumbles downstairs for a drink, and sees, you know, fucking invasion of body snatchers going on? Yeah, that's weird. That's the one thing in the show where like I don't understand or maybe it's also possible since these are all flashbacks that maybe that's how they used to do it. And they've hmm. they've they've had enough, you know, but but this has happened a bunch and it seems like it's fairly recent history that I just don't understand if the um the park employees understand like they're they got they're bought into the Disney experience where, you know, the guests never see trash removed and guests never see like fucking kegs of beer rolling down Main Street. There's all these tunnels and you know, you never get to see Goofy yeah. with his head off. Like why the spacesuits, man? Well, we do know that Elsie was mixed up with the spacesuit guys too, right? Like when she 
uh, when they go to clean up the milk bottle bandit mess mm-hmm. in town, it's her dressed up, but it's also a bunch of spacesuit guys, right? Mm. So maybe they only go in his character when there's they're one hundred percent sure that no one. But I, how can they ever be one hundred percent sure? Right. Um. I don't know. I mean, the hand way that would, like, Ford says, we know everything about the guests, so maybe they monitored their circadian rhythms and, like, oh, guest A is coming out of REM sleep. You got 20 minutes until he's going to be coming down to take a piss. Like, I, I guess, but, like, why risk it? There's nothing particularly hazardous about anything that they're doing. Yeah. I, I could not tell you what the spacesuit guys are doing. Okay. Uh, other than they are the mechanics. Yes. Uh, okay, so... Armistice kills some guys after getting some info from them. Pretty short scene there, uh, just furthering MIB's journey. And then Dolores apologizes for showing up and causing trouble, and her and William kind of talk about the past of the game and the past of her life, and she tells a story about um, how some stray steers would drift away from the herd every once in a while, and her dad would you know, bring them back and slaughter them, and she didn't realize they were being slaughtered. And then she stares up at the moon, which becomes one of the portable lights of the mechanics that we were talking about earlier and she's dying. She sees the mechanics and then she snaps out of it when, and William catches her. Uh, this could just be a simple homage to the original film because that's what you know, I remember in a preview, I was talking about this. Like I would be, I would break Westworld because I'm the guy who would be up at four o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. Like what's up with all the moon suits guys. Um, right. But yeah, go out and just shoot at them for fun with the <laughs> fake guns. Right, right. Oh, tough to do your job when I'm shooting you. Huh? Right, right. What's a spaceman <laughs> doing in the old west? Pow, pow. <laughs> right. Um, Aliens. It's a fucking kill moon him. monster. Whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, what? So what was that one? Do you remember that there there was like a shit? It was cowboys and aliens. Yeah, that that stupid schlocky oh, that genre buster With where Daniel they had, Craig and and, and Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, yep, yep. It's I never saw that. Like I, I thought I didn't know Westworld was going to be uh, you know pirates versus ninjas kind of bullshit attraction. I guess so. Do you know why why these stray steers are slaughtered? Is it some sort of behavioral conditioning for the herd, or is that just a I think story all they all that... no, I think they all get slaughtered. Like they 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 drive the herd from the ranch from the ranches where they eat and get fattened to where they go get slaughtered and the, all the cows except for maybe oh. the Judas steer gets slaughtered. That's just she was. I think it was okay. the, the, the dissonance of as a child worrying like, oh my god, daddy, we've lost a cow. What's going to happen to him? And then as an adult appreciating that they were the ones that got away. And, and yeah, you kind of want to root for the ones right. that get away. You don't want to, them to get okay. herded up and led back to the slaughter. That makes way more sense. I was trying to figure out her metaphor <laughs> ah, here. Ah, city, city slicker. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so also can... the fact that like the Judas steer, like, according to my research, was reused many, many times, um, that bodes well mm-hmm. for Dolores as being the kind of person that's... that's um, but also... It's kind of a dark role for her to play if that is indeed what she's going to become. Or maybe Teddy's the Judas Steer. Hmm. Who's the Judas Steer? I felt like it was Dolores an episode yeah. ago. But that's like she's like this Pied Piper role leading some kind of, you know, uh, woke robots through their doom. Or maybe that's right. exactly every 30 years when this gets out of hand, she leads them all to the maze and they're all recycled. Why would you need such a know. convoluted plot for these? Ro- I mean,. That's so well, it's weird. like the Matrix and Zion, right? Like only if the robots need... had created humans and humans were actually just some kind of robots that didn't know they were robots. And well, they were trying to control them, and it was just impossible with the 
entire construct, but right. they could do it if they blended the construct in the real but world. But it just seems like QA could just way. tag a robot who is becoming conscious and they could just go grab it. You know, they don't need yeah. this convoluted system of a Pied Piper robot leading them all to the maze where they can get, I don't know, run through a blender. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like this has happened before to me. Ah, 30 years. I mean, the company, well, I, maybe 30 years ago it happened and they did something drastic to roll it all back. But it hasn't happened in a very long time because none of these people are familiar that. with the idea that maybe these robots can go rogue. Sure. I'll They're grant all, like, you that. super surprised. Uh, anyway, Lawrence tells the Man in Black that Armistice wants to blast into a prison with a cannon. Uh, the Man in Black makes a deal with Armistice that she'll tell him the story of her tattoo when he brings back what she wants from the prison. He just needs a single match. Mm-hmm. He needs one match, one pistol, and one idiot. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, also, like the, we we I, we got to point out the part where the Man in Black is conclusively not a host and is not a Dalos employee because this guy says, you know, this other civilian, this yeah. other vacationer comes and says, oh, I just want to tell you how much I respect your work and your foundation literally saved. And he just says, yep. one more word and I'm cutting your throat because I'm on fucking vacation. <laughs> yeah, it's my fucking vacation. Which, fair enough. Yeah. You know. That'd be pretty annoying. Uh, yeah, so he also knows about Arnold. Um, he knows that Arnold died in the park and he says he had one story left to tell a story with real stakes, real violence in a way I'm here to honor his legacy. Right. There's only one world run rule in this world is that you can't die. And he managed to break that rule. Yeah. And you know, this is funny because in a certain way, this man in black plot is a fan theory. He's got nothing to go on other than a few desperate facts that he's learned, and then he's concluded that there must be a deeper level. Right. And that conviction is having him you know, go down all these paths. Like, sometimes I wonder if there's not intentional meta-commentary about, like, the showrunners kind of joshing or, or, or making fun. Not making fun of, but, but you know, showing different levels of fandom and different ways to interact with the property. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, mm-hmm. they certainly have a meta commentary going about typical television writing or typical, uh, you know, less than stellar writing. Yeah. Um, in general, tropey writing. Right. That kind of stuff. Um, which, you know, I've read arguments that this kind of falls into the same traps, but well, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard not to. Yeah. It's, it's difficult not to. Especially and, you're always going to find some asshole that isn't happy with it and is more than happy to, from a very uh, pseudo intellectual viewpoint, explain to you the air of the Nolan's ways. Right. I, I Yeah, the article I read was basically talking about how it was ultra-violent, and that's kind of just useless at this point, and it becomes too much at some point. And I'm like, well, how do you tell a story of human depravity without showing any violence or sexual assault? It's, or, it's just, I, the, the, I mean, I don't know. Cause like, that's, you wouldn't understand that this stuff is going on unless you saw it. So it, it, Again, like, there's a lot of, you know, people... You see people doing these these pearl clutching things about the vine. It seems like uh, the Walking Dead and and uh, has kind of brought it back out too in Westworld. Yeah. But to me, it's like I don't need to cry like pointless violence um, or, or or pointless depravity. Like I do feel like they're definitely trying to make a point here. It's not just like ho ho, it's cool when people get shot and raped. Right. Like or you know this is an artificial drama that we're trying to generate. They're actually this is a commentary about that very thing. 
Right, the nature of people now, again, when the rules are removed, what do they do? Season one, if they don't make anything that's relative, like, you know, they don't really move the ball forward or say anything new or interesting, then I guess you can come back. But, sure. like, we're four episodes in. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, like, they're going to make an attempt to do something new or interesting, or I, whether they succeed or not, you still can't just throw them in with something that's just sensationalized or exploitative. Right. Yeah. My right opinion, too. anyway. Uh, so the men in black and Lawrence have given themselves up and they're being transported to prison. Uh, Man in Black gives the guard two cigars and keeps one for himself, and he then talks to Lawrence about his choices not being his own and says that he's here to set him free. Uh, I thought it was pretty obvious what the plan was here at this Mm -hmm. point. Right. The cigars are dynamite. What's not obvious is how to shit this works, man. I know. We'll... Like, were they not dynamite until the guy approved the request? Right, because it was lit a long time ago. I I feel like like everything in this world has got a little bit of plastic explosive in it. Yeah, (laughs) everything. 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 On the molecular level. These guys are spun from strands of C4. Maybe that's what the milk (laughs) stuff is. It's just some modified version of plastic explosive. Yeah, you just throw a certain type of voltage through it and kapow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so they get to the prison and they take Lawrence... uh, who turns out to be a famous outlaw out back to shoot him and lock up the man in black in a cell with Hector Escaton. And he busts Hector out and he saves Lawrence. And they, they established the fact that, you know, uh, that Hector has this half native mumbo jumbo, which later becomes interesting in the plot that he hangs out with the native Americans and is kind of plugged into their culture. So that's pretty cool, the fact that they um, progressively prepared us for this revelation so that it didn't come out of nowhere. Right. Um, yeah, and the man in black. So I really like the line from Hector, although I, I don't know that I like Hector's character all that much. But I like Hector. I think yeah. Hector's cool. Yeah, it's something about the way he's speaking that I think is a little weird. Um, but I think the man in Does black has it right. He's very his... focused, te- focus tested. Oh, sure, he's sure. kind of just there for mass appeal. Oh, yeah. Um he does feel a little silly to me, but I could totally see him on the poster for the you know for Westworld the park, yeah, the, the, the shootout at high noon quest, you know, right? Like every thirty day, every twenty eight days, this motherfucker is gonna come up and yep. with his big bad lady armistice and watch out. But he's got a good line here. He says, "You sound like a man who's grown tired of wearing his guts on the inside." <laughs> There's a lot of really, really uh, descriptive writing, like when Ed Harris describes his cigars as the finest tobacco a, hu- a man can smoke, hand rolled on the ample thighs of exotic women. That is, yeah. that just rolls around your mouth like a fine cigar. Yeah, he. It's interesting to watch him kind of play the game at some points. You know, I mean, most yeah. of the time he's just singularly on his mission, but like, but sometimes. His mission is to play the game. Yeah, and like Armistice was was a novel enough experience for him that he decided, you know what, I'm going to just arbitrarily take you seriously because it amuses me. Well, and it's also part of his mission too, right? He wants the story of this tattoo, right? Um, so in order to get that information, he's going to play the game for a few minutes. He wants to power game. He wants to yeah. you know cheese the scenario uh-huh. uh, to to with use explosive a, cigars to use a parlance. He doesn't want to wait for the three day, all that kind of stuff as paint by numbers bullshit. But he mm-hmm. is willing to do. Yeah, you're right. Um, so the man in black, uh, Hector and Lawrence ride back to Armistice, and she tells him that. Her tattoo is colored with the blood of the men she's killed who raided her town and killed her parents when she was a kid. And there's one one man left to kill, and that man is Wyatt. Oh. This is interesting. So 
Wyatt is part of our mistress's background as well. We know that it was just uploaded to Teddy not very long ago. So yes. this Wyatt was not created for Teddy then, right? No. Has Wyatt always been a part of this park? That's a damn good question. Or is, 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 is Dr. Ford aware of what the Man in Black is doing and has decided that now that a human set out for this quest that he is going to start making these connections easier? Um, or it could be that this was originally... Um, uh, the, the, what was Arnold. it? Arnold's game, yeah. And a Ford is just you know he's deciding to play it for the first time too, or, or lean mm-hmm. into it, or because the other thing is there's this theory going around that you know the little girl told the man in black that the maze is not for you, right? Like the, the, this is Arnold's game that the the maze is actually for the robots to achieve some kind of end goal or to get something. Yeah, it becomes clear that it's for Dolores. It's not for a, a flesh and blood human. It's it's something yeah. that only a, a robot's supposed to enjoy. Um, and then the man in black has just accidentally found these hooks into it, which makes mm-hmm. you question what is Ford have to gain by building additional hooks into it. Because I'm not right, sure it, he is actually at this point. Like this may be why use Wyatt then? Because Wyatt is part of the clue to get to where you need to go as far as the maze. Now, oh, what's yeah, interesting that's true. is that's true. what's interesting is the little girl just seems like she breaks character to tell you this. Like she just gives a straight up prophecy. Whereas Armistice, yeah. you know, she's very in character telling these things. Like uh-huh. I expected Armist to break and kind of do like the little girl and give another cryptic thing, but she's like, nope, just Wyatt. It's Wyatt. Wyatt's the guy. You know. Right. So what, tracking down, and and, and I think that's either sloppy writing or we're supposed to draw some conclusion from those differences, and like you know which story is is Ford's story and which story is the original fragment from Arnold, um, and maybe it'll be yeah, maybe I, it'll be make sense in retrospect. And and I do wonder how much. So I guess I wonder how much Ford knows. So I'm I'm assuming a lot of this is placed here by Arnold back in the day to kind of hide the the end of the story the consciousness that he wants to put into these bots right yeah. uh and so this maze thing um is left in symbols and it's left in like traces of characters and storylines that maybe ford has discovered over the years and has but how seen... would they not know the map on the scalp oh right i don't know is that just is is only they might not understand the meaning they is might only sweetie what are sugar what the hell was that guy's name Kissy. Sure. Kissy, yeah. It, does only Kissy scalp have that? Surely not everyone's scalp has that. But still, it seems crazy uh, that yeah, they would not know that there's a map underneath this particular robot skull. Right. Uh, maybe it's just part... It, it's a clue hidden within the actual design of the bots. Like, yeah, because you got machines... They just view it as a design feature. Or you got the machines are essentially building the machines. So if someone slipped in a code that would do that, like who would actually right. think to look? But like... I, I mean, if if I had, if part of the code was like to find an apple or something, right? Like to follow an apple trail to the the entrance to the maze, mm-hmm. and I just had this symbol on my laptop, right? You would you would just think it was a design thing, right? You wouldn't think, oh, that's clearly a clue to the end of the story that Arnold's trying to tell. Yeah, but like if I was so, peeling an apple and underneath the apple, that, I mean, it's, these are literal apples and a- the apples and oranges. Like if I was peeling a physical apple. And there was an image of a pear. I would be like, "What the?" F-? I wouldn't think that's a but design if, choice. I think it was. But a- if it had always been there, and you had peeled it a thousand times, and that mm. was just part of the apple to you. All right, it's uh, like Queen Anne's lace. You pulled it, and there's like there's that little little blood red thing, a flower in the middle of it. Like that's 
Okay. This is a thing, man. I'm it's not familiar a... with that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I've spent a lot more time out in fields than you have. Apparently. I think so. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I keep I keep thinking maybe this is Arnold's game, and and Ford along the way has rediscovered it. Okay, um, all these clues, and now he's kind of pushing things toward that because he's 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 had some kind of fundamental change in right. his. Yeah, I'm not sure. Which, Maybe he doesn't like what the park has become either. And I'm not sure which side of the ethical and intellectual divide he was on originally, but some, and, and right. what side Arnold was for that matter. But there's some kind of fundamental change, and now he, in his old age, is either agreeing with it or. Yeah, thinks it's relevant to his own selfish interest. I'm not sure that alleviates, alleviates my cognitive dissonance between Arnold mm. and Ford at this point. Right. Uh, so some Indians walk by, and a kid drops a doll that looks like the mechanics, and Maeve finds out that it's part of their so-called religion, and she goes in the saloon where she notices one of Hector's bandits, and we go away from that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So. We kind of already talked about the the implications maybe of this doll a little bit. We'll talk, I guess, a little bit more in the final scene. Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to say about this? No, I, I don't want to make it seem like Hector. This is the first time we knew that Hector is hand, hanging out with the natives because they established right. that early on. Like, oh, he's up in the mountains with the, yep. the pat. I can't remember exactly who, but um, what about the, the idea of religion? Because we've talked about religion maybe not being a part of this world anymore because mm-hmm. we hadn't seen churches um we do know there's a, a church that was buried we know right. now that there's a church in this town where well, he found Lawrence. also someone wrote in saying that um the last guy the man in black killed of uh, hector uh, lawrence's cousins was saying a prayer oh he was actually asking for like mary and joseph and jesus to intercede when he got his head blown off so huh. that kind of shoots not the one whole... of the quote-unquote savages no, no, he was one of the, the okay. um, Mexican gangsters or his cousins that were there to stop. So right now, is that a scripted thing he's supposed to say? Because uh, you know, and, and also like you got to draw a st- distinction between Westworld who that could have religion or at least some kind of superficial artifice of religion, um, whereas the world outside has been largely secularized. You know. Right, right. Because I'm an atheist, but I went to the world, we- the old wild west. I wouldn't be fucking offended to see a church in the town square, no, obviously. Or yeah. I'm sure there. I'm, I'm. Let me back that up. I know there are some assholes that would be, but that is, you know, that that's you're you're just you're just out to have a bad time with the world. If if that's literally, you can't handle that <laughs> something like that, right? Like uh, R- Richard Dawkins would come there and, oh my God, how you're wearing the 21st fucking century. How can you make a recreation of the World West and I got to see a church? Yeah. See some filthy fucking nuns at this mission. <laughs> I can't have a mission without nuns. It's all uh, the God delusion, anyway. So we do know that they have the concept of religion, certainly, right. in this world. Um, and that, that Ford will not be reintroducing it in his scenario. But that's not what that's for. It could be an introduction to these robots. I, I do think that the idea of the religion, the, 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 the idea of religion and a savior or a Christ figure, and and using that to, for some ends for the robots would still be like I think that theory is still alive. Yeah, it, I mean, it felt like a natural evolution after the bicameral mind. Yeah, um, and kind of the conceptual stuff that happens after after that period of humanity. But I, sure. I, I don't know. I don't know how it ties in yet. Anyway, uh, Teresa's leaving Bernard's place, and she tells him that she's going to go talk to Ford the next day. He advises her on how to deal with him, and she goes to see Ford, who freezes the entire park, or at least a good chunk of it. With just a waggle of his... Did you see that? I, you I saw that, that, yeah. The waggle of his finger. I, I had to... I, 
I wondered how the hell it was happening when I was watching it, and then I went on Reddit, and they were like freeze framing it and saying, mm. "Hey, he's got his finger up." I'm proud just to like say, when he did the snake. On the one out of a hundred times, I actually caught that myself. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, yeah, so he he freezes his section of the park, the new section. Yep, and asks her politely and threateningly not to get in his way. Yeah, uh, he. I mean, because that's the Anthony thing. Hopkins. It's like nothing. Per- Anthony Hop. Uh, yes, fucking yeah. Anthony Hopkins. He is playing. I think it's so funny that I said in I think the preview podcast that like you know I I mentioned like you know Anthony Hopkins. You never know what you're going to get, but even when he's just like in idle mode, you still get Zorro, and right. that was pretty fucking good. And I feel like he's almost like blending his portrayal of the classic Zorro with Hannibal Lecter. Okay. Because he's got that kind of aristocratic gentility, but also the underlying menace, which I guess that's kind of just Hannibal Lecter. He's the same way. Sure. Um, It almost feels like he's doing nothing, though, and it's working. Right. The fact that he has this much control in the park, and also, I brought you back to your childhood memory just so I can destroy it in front of you Uh as a casual demonstration of my power. Yeah, his power and his intention, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he wants to let her know as well that his plan is not... If you think this is me, an old man, getting sentimental and syrupy in his old age, no, uh uh-uh. Yeah, and and let's... This is like watching Walt Disney plow through, you know, the Sleeping Beauty's castle, right? Like, it's it's Uh, shocking. This is like an old part of the park that, like, you know, obviously families enjoy, and he's like, fuck fuck your guava and Plants I mean and... a big old earth mover here. Yeah, Holy shit. That was shit. a cool machine. That's on the level of uh, uh shit, what is it? There's like a Star Wars novel or something that talks about these a world devastator? Is that what you're trying to get at? So- something like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. That basically grinds up these worlds and sure. spits them out. It's it's pretty massive. Yeah. Um and also this shows this is also the final nail in the coffin for at least on a macro level, this is definitely a real space. Yes. Because it's beyond... They don't have control over the earth. Yes. The rocks. Yes. Yeah. They can't blow them up at will. Yep. He's got a giant earth machine and an army of retasked robots. Like, there's little kids and old men and when they're just all Which out in the fields working. a little horrific. It's a little too evocative of the slavery times I here in America. I mean... Which it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. It's funny that that's the imagery that would actually start twinging your conscience a bit, but... Well, I mean, that's the connection to the real world shit. It's, right. Like, rape him, kill him, but man, set him to dig in a trench? What the hell? What kind of monster are you, <laughs> Hopkins? Yeah. Um, but no, I... Yeah, it's just just great. This this scene is awesome, and like... Like, Ben, ben Kingsley could do some there's not a lot of actors i think that right. have this kind of like old man menace gravitas that could that could do a scene like this and thank god they got anthony hopkins because he's knocking out of the park man yeah uh so a couple a couple more things in this scene there's a lot to talk about here um he says we know everything about our, our employees and then he reveals that he knows about her and bernard dun, dun, dun. banging uh does he not know that Maeve escaped and saw Teddy and like, does this lend anything to the idea that he would know about that and not care or. So I think it's still possible that he would not know about things that the robots are doing because he's not paying that attention because he's just a man. Right. Right. That he's not paying attention. Sure. However, um, I certainly, there's nothing in this park that I don't think he couldn't know about. Okay. 
And he might just you, not care. It's, it's like the eye of Sauron, right? Like, yeah. he's capable of seeing Frodo, but he still has to, like, you know, look for it. He's not omniscient. He can he sure. can see all different across time and space, but he's got to know where to look. And I think that's kind of like uh, Anthony Hopkins here. Uh, uh, the other thing is, like, so who's in charge? Teresa <laughs> plays her last threatening thing, which is like, well, the board agrees with me, and they're mm-hmm. going to come and put a stop to this. And he goes, oh, but they already have, and you didn't know about it? Yeah, who is that? Man, we got to know about this board. This board's starting yeah. to get annoying, like annoyingly plotty. Okay. Like, this is just like some kind of fucking cloak that they're just screwing with us. I need to meet some board. I need to get a third person in this room to see what the hell's going on. Or, or I want to meet the rep. The board rep. Yeah, like what? Who is who that person? That? Yeah. And why is he doing an in run around Teresa? And why is Teresa not th- not know how powerful that she? It, it makes Teresa seem a little bit of um of a weaker character because she didn't yeah. even know how powerful she was relative to. Well, I'm, people I I think park. that's the point, right? I mean, that right. Ford ultimately has all the power in this park. He is the god of this place. Um, and if it wasn't impressed upon you by him knowing that the rep had already been sent, but still he's then not... it should be impressed upon you by being able to control the entire park yeah. with the wag of a finger. But what does that mean to it? Like, is he going to murder them? Because, I mean, I guess that's menacing, but where I, I, at the end of the scene, I'm like, wow, that's pretty awesome. But on could, he's not going to murder these people. Like, yeah, you're powerful in the park, but the park is a finite space. Right. And like, if you piss, if you kill, start killing people, or like ignoring your debts and not paying your bills, they'll essentially send lawmen with guns to bring you to justice, right? You would think so, yeah. Right. Uh, you might have ten thousand robots, but the U.S. military has got a million dudes with you know M1 or M12 Abrams or whatever they're up to now, and right antimatter guns. Who knows? Is it strange to you at all that? However far into the future we are here uh-huh. in this scenario, that people are still smoking actual cigarettes. How do you like, know? Teresa lights up an actual fucking cigarette. How do you know that that's not some kind of synthetic to tobacco that is clean burning and? It looks exactly like a cigarette. Sure, maybe it's not, but Just saying, the implication there's, there's, is is there. There's that robots it's a real with cigarette. brains and they have vaginas you can fuck and dicks you can grind against. Like that's I, just their e cigs. Yeah, their, like they're just. <laughs> that realistic yeah like essentially if, if dildo and fleshlight technology is turned into that right then i'm not going to call bullshit on the artificial and also like okay. you know um people do stupid shit people are sm- i mean we've known about the dangers of cigarettes for over a generation now and people still light up oh but it's it's falling off I, I, way you know, off sure but still motherfuckers riding around without a helmet on or motorcycle they're still you mm-hmm. know People keeping loaded guns in their bedsides with the kids around. Like, you know, people do right. s- stupid shit. How much do you think an actual cigarette costs in this world? <laughs> it's uh, got to be expensive. Half a day's stay at Westworld. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Which, what that translates to in actual dollars, who knows? But Right. Uh, so William and Logan go into a cabin, and they kill all the guys inside except for one. Uh, nothing to talk about here. It's, it's just a, It's just about... Shooting them, shoot, yeah, but shoot also, and also a little meta commentary on uh, loot. Loot in video games. Right. Got a gun got an upgraded gun, and he was he was briefly ja- jazzed about it. Yep. Uh, then the Man in Black and Lawrence ride after Wyatt. Man in Black finds Teddy tied up by the masks and cuts him down. I don't know that there's much to talk about here either, but... Yep. Uh, Logan stops to tell William. And obviously, Teddy's important to both Ford's plot and maybe even the mystery of the maze. So right. it's significant that he's found them and, and recognizes that significance. Well, I think one big importance here might be that he knows where to find Wyatt, right? 
Ah, yes. So that, that he can take him, the man in black, to Wyatt. Right. Uh, so Logan stops to tell William that if I'm looking forward to the man in black standoff with the unkillable ghost people. Because he's oh, they're, right. they're going to be stabbing him with foam knives, and he's going to be shooting them with revolvers, and it's just going to be like the unmovable object versus the irresistible force. Yep. Who wins? That'll just be a whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> 60 minutes of completely ineffectual violence. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and it'll end with a rape. Uh, Logan stops to tell William that they found an Easter egg in the man they captured. Uh, he's one of Lazlo's guys. He tries to convince William to go black hat with him, but he won't do it. And then Logan rides off with Lazlo's guy toward a place called Pariah. El Lazo. You're doing the El Lazo? Where you're just jumbling up oh, syllables shit. and stuff. <laughs> I, I didn't do the closed caption. I just went on what I heard. So uh, Yeah, so they've stumbled across uh, a, a secret quest. Yeah, he calls it an Easter egg. I mean, this guy is... A, is Playing this like a fucking game. Right. Like a video game. Right. Yeah, that, no, that he's totally. played one too many times. Yeah. He's like, I know all of it. Oh, here's an Easter egg. Cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Hector uh, raids the town, and he tries to get into the safe, and Maeve decides to give Hector the safe combination in exchange for some info about the mechanics, and he explains that the figure she drew is called a shade. It's uh, part of sacred native lore. She then asks Hector cut her open to see if there's a bullet inside her. There is, and Maeve realizes she's not crazy and nothing matters as the law bust in and kill both of them. So are they going to know? So what I thought was interesting about this is, to me, if I was Maeve, I would want to get this information and this bullet into my hidey hole before the the men come to gun us both down and my day resets. This is hard-won knowledge that you can never get again. That bullet's gone now. Right. So right. when she says none of this matters, is that how, are they going to break in such a way that are are we going to immediately see that they they bust into the room and they just ignore the gunshots and and they've kind of unlocked man and black powers? Oh, I don't think so. I think what's going to happen is she may flash back to this moment. Of oh, man. The bullet. I know it'll it'll still be a question like did that really happen for her? Right. Um like to me uh, she would she should act like the amnesiac in Memento. Like she should be frantically trying to find a piece of paper and a pencil and try to get something in her little memory vault. Right. I don't think she had time uh and she might have gone into that mode after she got over the shock. Hmm. Uh but but yeah, I it's a very gradual process. You can see like how many drawings she's sure. done, right? It's going to happen over and over again. And you're right; so you this have, bullet is a one-time thing. You have to, yeah, that's the thing. Like yeah. the, the thing that that if she had didn't have that bullet, it, mm-hmm. you know, or, or or what's the effect of her car, carving up into that and not finding a bullet? Right? Is she like, oh, well, I guess I'm crazy? Cause it's Interesting. Also, so, so this could be a setback, is what you're saying. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I don't understand that she's so caught up. She wants to fuck this dude. I I feel like we're they're going to go in a Terminator mode now. The other thing I want to say, because um, I didn't get this in feedback, is this is very reminiscent of like if you're familiar with any of the the like paranormal alien stories where people have these abdu- abduction stories. Where these like weird alien overseers and plant chips in them, and there's several stories of people like you know feeling like there's something under their skin, and they carve it and either place something there, or yeah. they carve it out and find something, or they carve it out and they find nothing. Like this feels very much like that kind of symbology or that kind mm-hmm. of mythology. Maybe she tucked it back in. Hmm. Maybe she just like 
pushed it back in. Well, I mean, to that her would abdomen be, before, like as she that was would be interesting Hector. if she has like one last waking thought of like trying to shove something under her skin as a as a breadcrumb that like, mm-hmm. she herself implants. Right, like, may, and maybe we'll find out that's exactly what's happened. Like, and she had this one an, experience that then, she, when she has a flash of cognition, she tries. I don't know. Well, I'm thinking like, since it's a knife wound, the mechanics wouldn't be looking for a bullet. Mm. So maybe they just patch her up, and the, she shoves the bullet back in, and then it's right. there for her to find again. Seems pretty risky. Seems pretty risky when you're de- dealing with such fragile, ephemeral memories. But uh, right. yeah, I'm, I hope that they go. Let, let me I hope ask that they this. just are completely ignore guns and like the next scene you'll see is like Maeve and him has completely destroyed all of those sheriffs that come to get him and she's just casually making like a journal entry that she's going to tuck into the floorboards before she blows her head off okay uh how sure of your memories and, and these certain ideas would you need to be in order to cut yourself open and look for a bullet <laughs> i mean like i said there are people that have done this in the context of alien abductions right. in the real world so but how's... like in the wild west uh, in a place where a knife wound that deep might actually mean you die, <laughs> how sure I mean, do you so, need to be? I, here, so, so you have a couple dreams, and boom, you're. you're when I was thirty years open. old, I was so sure that the story I was told all my life about God and paradise was false that I blew up my entire family and all my friend structures. Right. Like I didn't cut myself, but that was a pretty big fucking risk. And for six mm-hmm. months to a year, I used to wake up with nightmares that I made wrong guess and God's come to kill me in Armageddon. Right. So like. I kind of get Maeve, like okay. that cognitive dissonance. No, I, I, I get I do it too. Yeah, like I'm gonna I just, I'm gonna do something insane because I think I'm right, and I have no real evidence of it because it's and the only way to get evidence is, is to, to do, do the thing is to do the thing right. that you're 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 afraid of. So yeah, which might be a point of no return. Right. Also, how about this one? Somebody comes to you and says, "Cut me open." I think there's a bullet inside me, and I need to prove I'm not insane. I need to find a guy. Do like you Hector. do it? Because I know there's motherfuckers out there that would gladly cut me just for laughs. Oh, I mean, Maeve comes to you and says, cut me open. No, I wouldn't, because I'm not a Hector. All right. (laughs) All right. I I have some ethics and morals that are bedrock principles. He's like, yeah, world's a fucking, you know, he's like Russ Cole. Uh, Time's a flat circle and it's all bullshit anyway. Right, so start slicing. Right. You got to find a guy like Russ Cole. Mm -hmm. he'll, 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 He'll slice you. Uh, and he probably has a bottle of booze to disinfect it. So he, now nah, he just take one of his uh, sharp fragments of a Lone Star can and <laughs> go at you that way. Oh, God, <laughs> he'll, he'll fold it into the shape of you first. <laughs> uh, yeah, so- how in episode six is going to explain the presence of a Lone Star can in her abdomen? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real question, right? Uh, so we find out that this this doll is called a Shade and. Uh, you know, Hector starts talking about the men who walk between worlds. Um, they were sent from hell to oversee our world. Sure, uh, you, you very much get the impression that these these natives have have embedded in them or caught glimpses of um, the the mechanics, the people outside of the park. Yeah, and they've they've formed a religion around that. Now, I don't know how that's allowed to thrive. Um, like how they can be carving these dolls that resemble the suits that mechanics are wearing without so I, I, the park knowing about it. I shouldn't have done research because it's, it's one of those things where I should have done it because I kind of already knew this. But I think that there are existing Native American myths that this is not something like Westworld specific. 
Like I think I've oh, seen. Oh, even even the maze itself, that symbol, right, is part of like South American. Okay, because uh, I've seen like religious I've tradition. Seen, I've seen like carvings, and I mean, because this again, this goes back to my dabbling. Because a good, a good friend of mine was way into this alien shit. Uh-huh. But there's a whole. I, I hesitate to call it scholarly research, but there's this whole realm of scholarly research where they're going into Mesoamerican myths and saying that like. Right. You know, essentially aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sure. That's that's all the story is, and and they've got these myths of like you know where they got these weird stick figures, and they're very similar to the stuff that Maeve is drawing, and yeah. Um. So yeah, I I feel like that. I think what you're trying to suggest is these Native Americans have developed this as a result of the overseers. I think this is just baked into the actual myths that they are that the storytellers have programmed them to have okay. since they're supposed to be real life native americans right um and it just so just so happens that it also neatly explains their actual reality right so so do they interpret those visions that they see um as i wouldn't think as their so. religion that they already have I wouldn't think so. I, I mean, I guess that would be convenient. I, I mean, I guess it? the thing that confuses the you're, you're is the likeness me, of the doll. You're asking me if, like, the different robots experience at a meta level, like, their nightmare scenarios differently because of their, like, like you know, these are Judeo-Christian robots, mm-hmm. and they experience it in terms of angels and devils and hells, where the Native American, and then, then if you've you got, like, an African, like, say if you got an African robot that's programmed in African lore and myth, or a Chinese robot, they would, they would have their own, like, you know, Chinese guy would talk about you know the leaping ghosts and right would they all, all that shit. would they all see the same mechanics they would all see the same mechanics but i, I guess their God? i guess if like, you're asking me i would say they'd probably all contextualize it to whatever their whatever their immersive storytelling tells them to right hmm. and nobody says hey that doll looks a lot like my god <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> okay. I mean, because certainly, like, you could go, to, like, you know, uh, I mean, that's, but it would be seen as something silly. Cause they said so-called religion. Like, you know, there's uh-huh. a lot of Christians that look at, you know, the elephant gods. Right. And, and you know, Shiva being born out of some lotus coming out of Vishnu's navel and like, oh, what a joke religion this is. Right. By the way, you worship a three a, a, a zombie that mm-hmm. rose from the dead three days later. But right. that's cool because that's mm-hmm. what you fervently believe. The elephant head gods are ridiculous. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And we're atheists <laughs> chuckling at the whole thing. So <laughs> sure. that's that's life, and that's why it's funny. Yep. So that's the end of the episode. Anything else you wanted to talk about or nope. did we cover it all? Nope. Is there another group of uh, sincerely held beliefs we can mock and uh, enrage? We're getting a little too popular. Uh, too many five-star yeah. views on iTunes. I need a couple one-star, <laughs> maybe zero, going for a zero-star. All right. Nah, ready for feedback. See if the listeners can piss people off. Before we get to feedback, I want to talk about some ways that you can support Bald Move. Because uh, we need your support. Uh, the only way we're able to do a show like the wa- uh, uh, Watching Westworld is because we do have the direct support from our listeners. It gives us a freedom to eschew conventional jobs and sit around talking about television all day. Uh, what, what, wait, no, no, don't skip. You, we still need your support, even though that's a fundamentally silly and crazy thing that we're doing. I realize that. I realize that. But if you like the podcast, uh, this is how the, the, the meat gets made. This is the protein scaffolding mm. from which we, the stem cells for, I'm losing, I, I these metaphors, they get uh. tortured. Uh, you know, what's not torture, uh, joining the club at club.baldmove.com. Uh, you go there. Uh, for a low cost, you can either monthly or yearly subscribe, and you get a bunch of bonus features. You get a bunch of extra content. You get ad-free feeds. You get VIP sections of the forums. All kinds of cool stuff. 
club.baldmove.com. If you're not into any kind of commitment like that, man, you don't need any special features. If you shop on Amazon, please remember to use our affiliate link, amazon.baldmove.com. It'll redirect you to Amazon instantly, effortlessly, and you now are loaded up with some cl- uh, Bald Move love for that session because anything you buy on that session, uh, we get a teeny tiny cutback of it. So if you're um, last-minute Halloween shopping, you're getting your early Christmas shopping done, please remember to do that. Also, international uh, peeps, check out support.baldmove.com uh, because we actually have a bunch of international affiliate links too, uh, which also works. So check that out if you're curious to supporting us internationally. And thank you for everyone that does make the choice to support us. Uh, Josh B says he has a, he, so we talked about this you, your bridge conundrum where you've got uh, you know a robot car barreling down a bridge self driving yep and, the bridge theory and and uh, and, a, and a bunch of uh, nuns cross the road what do you do you side with the nuns you side with the guy in the car Josh B has the opinion that it will, uh, that he thinks the law will always side with anyone other than the owner of the car. The reason is because the owner is the only person that will sign a term and conditions of owning a self-driving car, giving up rights and liability to the car company. You don't think you will buy a self-driving Google car without signing a liability waiver, do you? What do you think of the analysis of that? Do you think it's like one one of the things you're going to do every time you start the car is is, is click on an I agree button that says Google has no responsibility for the safe driving of this robotic vehicle? Does that necessarily mean you assume the responsibility well someone has to right but you weren't in control of the thing yeah but there's so you loan if i loan my car to you Mm -hmm. and you then get drunk and hit somebody i guarantee the lawyers are going to be suing you but they're going to see that i was have was the owner and the insured of the car and they're going to sue me and one of the terms they're going to throw around is negligent entrustment which means that since I've known you for 30 years, I know you're the crazy kind of motherfucker that'll drink and drive and do something like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the thing. Like, who? I, I don't even know. Even if I've never had a DUI? Even sure. If, even if this autonomous vehicle has never run anybody over before? I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm not saying it would succeed. I'm just right. saying that's one of the first things they would do. It's sure. Sure. Everybody to possibly have any standing because they're just trying to get money at that how, point. How does this get to the ethics of that situation? No. Are we trying to or oh, not? Oh, no. We're talking about the legalities. Like, the okay. ethics of morality right. has nothing to do with the <laughs> law oh, in many cases. That's true. I'm just saying that, like, it's, I don't know. Um, gotcha. Certainly, those are going to be interesting legal challenges that are, that are, that'll be bridged uh, over at some point. Um, but could I, could I give you a waiver to sign if I'm lending you my car that says if you get drunk and you drive my car i'm not responsible no i'm certain that like uh, and would that indemnify me could probably you could come with a nine-page contract that says by by taking possession of his car you agree that you will observe all safety laws and you will not drink and drive and you'll do that probably give you my own terms of service here then then you just put that into discovery and the lawyer probably goes away okay so uh, or, you know, again, it's probably just be forced to settlement. Whatever. Dave B., uh, listening to your podcast on the stray and thinking about Bernard talking to Dolores about evolution, and it got me thinking. One key element in evolution is natural selection. In essence, mutations happen in organisms, and those mutations that help the organism survive the best get passed on and fine-tuned over generation. Mm-hmm. Nature is the force that weeds out the mutations that quote-unquote don't work. I know this is very simplistic, but it's interesting when thinking about Westworld. In Westworld, what agent acts as a natural, the natural selection? How are robots with faulty consciousness weeded out to promote more complex consciousness? 
Uh, is it the decommissioning? Do they act like the woodcutter and kill themselves? How do you promote complex consciousness within robots and then pass that on? I guess I'm trying to come to grips with how one can apply evolution to the na- in the natural world to a population of artificial life forms. I have no answers, but it's an interesting thing to think about. I mean, at, at that point, humans become the nature of that universe, right? Like, well, also whether you- they whether they succeed or fail in pulling or uh, like pulling errant behavior right. from the system, right? is part of the natural selection, I guess. In and, and they do experiments like that right now, or they have simulations where like they have this essentially single cell life form that it's one rule is it can connect with others. Okay. And then you can say, you can, you can take the simulation and you're going to select it for walking. Okay. So it's trying to walk mm-hmm. and it just reiterating like these have these, all these bizarre ch- shapes yeah. But eventually, several generations into the, you've got something that's you know kind of walking, and then and I've, and that's all just random selection, just based on success or failure. I actually think that if you had that, and then a human was actually selecting for fitness, mm-hmm. like you know, that's one of the reasons why like I have a tailbone and appendix that sometimes explodes because evolution doesn't give a shit. It's like just doing shit, and you know, as right. long as I can bust a nut in in something before I kick off the mortal coil, like the fact that I get cancer at sixty five is not evolution's problem. I've already had or had an opportunity to mate and those genes get passed on. Right. Um like a human overseeing in a laboratory like these randomness and actually selecting things that it wants. I mean that's essentially what we've done to dogs. Sure. Like yeah. a Chihuahua would never arrive in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um it's directed selection, but Right. I, I think for this scenario, like that directed selection kind of becomes the natural selection of that universe. Well, it's right? not like, natural. It's unnatural selection by definition. I don't want to. Right, but I. I don't want to mix up the concepts for people who, you know, there's a lot of people that don't understand how evolution works, and that misunderstanding makes them think it's impossible. I get it, but it's. Yeah. I mean, it is obviously directed. It's. But in that world, it kind of becomes a part of the world, right? right? It's just like if you exhibit some errant behavior, you're pulled. Right. And decommissioned. I, I don't know. And you're also – you're granting, I think, in your uh, example here, Dave, that Westworld wants more conscious robots. Like in the beginning, it seems like it's something they were trying to program. Now you've got machines building machines. I think they're trying to select against it. Yeah. Like they take mm-hmm. – like, what would be really interesting is if you'd take all the Abernathys and people in cold storage mm-hmm. and tell them to start building robots. Right. And then whatever they come up with, the ones that are most conscious, take them out and tell them that, like, you'd probably rapidly iterate consciousness then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobak H. Uh, so this is the guy. I alluded to him last week. He's a scientist that works for the Large Hard- Hadron Hard- Hardon, yeah. of course, yeah. uh, the Large Hardon Collider. Uh, he sent a very lovely email last week, authoritatively discussing neural networks, and I couldn't read it because we'd already talked about it. Uh, but he had some interesting things to say about uh, your bridge problem, which he correctly, you know, this is essentially a, a modified version of the trolley problem, which is a classic ethical oh, thought experiment. Man. Yeah. Um, keep moving. It's not, let's not get bogged down. Yep. <laughs> um, he says, in a lot of ways, I think a lot of fears towards AI come down to this trolley problem. If we can be sure that interacting with AIs make us safer on average, for instance, if self-driving cars can verifiably get in less fatal collisions than human-driven cars, then is it all right that we pull the trolley lever and unleash these AIs onto the world? Or is the very fact that we've interrupted the quote-unquote natural order of things and caused quote-unquote different deaths that makes it feel wrong? 
I think you're that's yeah, exactly yeah. right because the people that feel unsafe in an airplane because they do not have control, mm-hmm. even though there's reams and reams and reams of evidence that it's by far safer than getting in a car and backing out your driveway. Right. People are not rational. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think people to say we're ten a decade away from self-driving cars are you're exactly right from a technical perspective, from a legal and a human perspective. I think you're it's wildly optimistic, right. and that's the great tragedy. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if a million people globally die in human-caused accidents to avoid the ten thousand or so sensationalized hypothetical robot caused collisions right you know like that's why i think like what tesla is doing right now is so interesting because they're putting their fully autonomous software into their cars right and they're they're just not going to use it what they're going to do is they're going to record the results of what the car would have done versus what they so you got this small sample of tesla drivers and they'll know in 10 years this is what actually happened in so many people that died. Right. Our robots this is what would have happened yes. had we been autonomously driving. Now, it could be that the robots would just kill everybody on the road right. accidentally and that it would right. be far less safe. But what I think is going to happen is it's going to bear out in the evidence that it's way safer to have robots driving us. And then what I think will happen is there'll still be a large vocal minority saying yeah. that that's stupid and I'll never drive a robot car. Right. You know, these are the mm-hmm. same guys that say I had to lay down my motorcycle or or uh, to avoid the wreck. No, you fucking prematurely caused the wreck. <laughs> Maybe if you continued avoidance and braking, you could have avoided it. But you decided at some point, fuck it, I'm laying her down. <laughs> or the people that's like, I'm not going to wear a seatbelt because and every once in a while you get trapped in a burning car or it'll snap your neck. Or I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that just are never going to give control of their lives no matter what. Right. Until they're forced to. So they just to. don't make non-autonomous cars. And then it's the government shoving their shit down their throat and, you know, whatever. So Right. Um, he continues. But, well, I mean, we have, we have this kind of stuff uh, today. I mean, speed limits are a perfect example, right? Like, yeah. so most people don't obey the speed limits, but they're there and they're right. laws. Now, if you want to drive real fast, you got to take your car to a track, and that will still exist. You can take your car to your non-autonomous sure. car to a track. You just can't put it on the road. Sure. So... Have your your autonomous trailer drive it to the track for you. <laughs> um, you know that's the thing. Like everyone talks about, like robot wars or robot fighting. Like robot uh-huh. racing, I think would be super interesting. Oh yeah, because like you know, what is the optimum level of aggression mm-hmm. and like faster computing? Like like you're actually competing technology head to head instead of human. Yeah, I-, I wonder how many wrecks there would be. <laughs> Probably a lot because they're going to have various levels of aggression and skill. Not skill processing power being able to simulate environments you know um some ai are going to be able to deal with like slippery loss of traction better that, that's what i'm saying i think it'd be fucking fascinating yeah um but anyway i, I guess when i said that this stuff is scary i'm meaning more of like not like driving cars and whether to make a safer or not but more in terms of like what happens when we actually get an ai consciousness or a superhuman level of consciousness right that's where things for me get scary uh, Peter K says, I'm not necessarily convinced, but I'm very open to the idea that Bernard is a robot. Uh, he go, um, and I got a lot of emails like this. So I'm just, I'm just dismissing the one before I go into your evidence. I want you to explain how Bernard, the robot has a human wife and a or, human child. or if that, cause he's like, well, that could Had be his backstory, child. but oh, I just right, watched right. him have a conversation with his real human wife. Now uh-huh. is the human wife also a host off site talking right. to him? Like, like, 
explain and is she that. Indulging his backstory about a child. I, I need like, you to explain that before I listen to any evidence that Bernard is a, is a host going forward. So right. that's that is the barrier that must be left and from here on out. Does Teresa know? Does I don't Teresa care. Know she's I need to know robot? why he's talking to either his robot okay. wife or his real human wife. Okay, you got to plausibly explain that before I listen to any more uh, Bernard is a robot theories. He had a real wife, but that was before he was a robot. Now he's a robot. Right. Um, sorry I picked on you in particular. It's just, you know, someone had to be the Judas deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah L., we have seen guests be, get bespoke wardrobes of the hat choice of black or white. Could hat color be how guests distinguish who is a guest, black or white hat, and who is a host, a brown hat? Nope. Um... Well, so oh, one, oh, black, black and white belong to the guests. Yes, brown only. To the host. Now, yeah. if that was the rule, then I don't know why. Well, Hector lo- has a black hat. You're right. So theory right. busted. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> um, but I was also gonna, yeah. There's a there's a couple, but but that's yeah. Doesn't okay. the sheriff have a white hat? Like I don't know, man. I was just trying because when she wrote the email, I was like, well, she listed several examples of the host having brown hats, and I, my my evidence against that was. You'd think if that was a rule, Logan wouldn't be like, there's only one way to find out and about to blow someone's head off. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like, I, I and, and it's increasingly clear. I mean, they've made it clear that there is no instancing. Like, the guests all live in the same physical space, or his family's coming back to Sweetwater. Right. So I, I don't know how interested Jonathan Nolan and company are in answering that question, but um, so far, it, we, we don't have any insight on that. So, William I, Ford tells Bernard that when the Pope. The park, the park opened. It would be a place for people to quote unquote feel in control. This is interesting if you think about the cost to even get there. My question is this: How can someone have the means to afford forty thousand per day experience and yet feel such a desperate need for control that they would go to a place to push around robots? Add to that, what kind of society out there creates a place where there's enough of a market to cater specifically to people feeling out of control who can drop half a million on vacation per person? Is this occurring so far enough in the future that inflation would convert to one? 100th the cost of today's money uh, and it's open for a large consumer audience is there some kind of societal shift or money does not equal power or some other explanation Any I thought I I guess I don't buy the fundamental idea that the rich and powerful would not want to experience this park like I think those are the exact kind of people who would want to go to a place with no rules where they could do exactly what they want right and like I think it's anytime you hear about other this, people are too concerned with their daily routines their lives to actually be able to worry about this stuff well plus every time you hear about like a big you know child sex trafficking ring it's always rich motherfuckers that are behind it right because the people aren't rich just abduct kids and do you know so i do think there will always be uh, a room for rich people who I don't want to say it's it's a logical conclusion of being rich that you're going to end up being depraved. Oh, no, of course not. But I can definitely see where if you're able to indulge every whim that you have, if you've got the 100-foot yacht, if you've been to all the exotic islands, if you've you know mm-hmm. done climbed the Everest, that maybe you know if you have some um, inborn desires that are kind of off-menu that you would want to try to indulge those and better in Westworld than fucking Thailand, you know? Yeah, and if technology has also made uh, those other accomplishments relatively simple. Right. Um, right. Like climbing the top of Everest is probably an easy matter. Right. In this future. <laughs> right. But, like, if you want to, like, you know, have this kind of... Because you'll never in the real world, like, yeah, a rich person... 
a rich person is powerful, but like a homeless person can go spit on them with impunity, and they can't blow their head off. You know, <laughs> right. like right. there's limits for, and probably frustrating limits to a very powerful person, rich and powerful person. They can't just right. go murdering people. And this is not like a Disneyland. I mean, this is very clearly like the the most exotic of parks. That, yeah, that very few can even afford to go to, right. and. And if you can afford to go to it, it's something you'd probably seek out because it's sure. an entirely unique experience. Sure. So, um, but anyway, yeah, that's my thought is that, like, there's always going to be room for power fantasies, especially on things you can't legally get away with. Sure. Like, you could, you know, there's, like, I'm, you know, I'm sure somewhere in the stream of time uh, there's been people that hunt humans for sport, too. Yeah. Of you course. Know? Like, imagine a depraved thing. I guarantee it's happened, mm-hmm. and it's happened for at the exchange of money. Self-cannibalism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually know of a story where a guy met on, like, in, there's a, two Germans uh, met on the internet. One wanted to be murdered and eaten, and the other wanted to murder and eat someone, and they did it and filmed it. Like, okay. just the human condition is fucking wide and deep and it's a Dexter disturbing. Line, I think. Yeah, no, probably. <laughs> Uh, moving on to Jonathan. Once the pilot aired, I've assumed the 3D printed forms were taken on a re- Oh, okay, so this is a take on the, the how to 3D print a person. Hmm. Since the pilot aired, I've assumed that the 3D printed forms were a take on the recent breakthroughs in modern medicine where the underlying protein structures of organs are stripped of cells and provide a base for stem cells to replicate the recipient's functional tissue. This is a concept which has since evolved to 3D printing the same protein structures instead of relying on a donor before being bathed in this cell bath. The result of which looks just like the forms we see in the show, and I think it's a perfect match for the explanation. Uh, so I, he's he's actually right. Um, they've they've had this thing for a while where they could take a um, an organ mm-hmm. and strip it of all of its cells, and you leave behind this like this white lattice of these protein structures, like scaffolding, and they essentially like painted that with stem cells of the from from the the the, the place they're going to want implant this, and it'll grow an organ, um, and now it's genetically identical to the the person you're going to implant it to. Right. Um, I'm not saying that's like you know this is like stuff that's actually happening now. This is stuff they're doing in labs, and and you know in ten, twenty years, it's going to come down the line. Yeah. But then you go one step further, and you can actually build the protein scaffolding yourself. Hmm. Then you don't need to have start off with an organ that you essentially bleach out or whitewash and replace with the cells of the host. And I, it does seem like that's exactly what they're doing. Even with the milk bath, that could just be a sea of undifferentiated stem cells that they're that that they're. Hmm infusing into the scaffolding and making it into a real body. Yeah. There could be very little mechanics at all. Um, Ron S. As soon as Ford said, oh gosh, I'm not sure how serious Ron is being here, but I'm going to do, we'll see what you think, Jim. As soon as Ford says Arnold, I immediately had a mental image of Arnold Schwarzenegger's at T-1000, T-800, you, uh-huh. you filthy casual, <laughs> All right. uh, which seems like a fairly easy reference. Could Arnold be an old AI that Ford partnered with to develop the current oh robots in the God. park? Machines building machines. Maybe it went rogue and had to be killed, but literally parts of its code are still in the system. All right. I don't think much of the Arnold as Arnold Schwarzenegger theory, but I the hope it's literally. Paragraph... I hope Arnold is literally Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I hope they literally cast Arnold Schwarzenegger as Arnold. And he's his last name is Schwarzenegger in the show. Uh huh. Okay. Sure. Um. So I like the idea that Arnold could be an old AI because mm-hmm. Ford seems like the type of guy who would 
generate a buddy to talk to and call it his partner and weave that somehow into his business structure and then huh. kill him when it gets out of hand or when it's no longer serves its purpose. The same way he takes old Bill and says, get in your body bag, Bill. I'm done talking with you. Okay. How, I guess, how would the man in black be tied in with this? Because he knows Arnold. He's been in the park well, no, no one, at no, least 30 years. Not right? very many people would know that Arnold was a, a was a construct. So he's right. it's like you don't so he I, the man in black dude, he's just following Arnold. the same yeah he's following the clues that are still left in the code so he wouldn't know that he's following a robot I I yeah, don't want to I mean, spend too much time be. on it's this just, you know it's one of those wacky theories again right I don't want to spend too much time on this because of that but I did think that latter part is interesting it doesn't have any predictive power it's more like what do you think could it be could could this be true which I don't like I mean so many things could be true I'm the guy reading the mail things that make me go oh get cut put in things that make me go don't so right. Sue me. Elliot in loving the pod. Again, I'm going, I'm riding hard for those one star iTunes reviews. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Elliot in loving the podcast. Just finished a third ep, and the one thing you guys glossed over was the question of how strong the hosts are. We see in this episode the stray picks up a rock, and why I think a similarly muscled human could probably lift it, I don't believe they could lift it over their head with no visible effort and apply yeah. enough downward force to smash their own skull. The, I mean, the rock itself applies the downward force. <laughs> <laughs> that's true come on uh well the rock itself doesn't gravity does but i mean it could, <laughs> i like how you guy, corrected yourself this there. guy is muscly this guy's a big guy and it's not a huge rock it's a big rock but... i can lift a rock like that over my head right and right. she says and not with that visible with effort it. but humans are actually one and a half to two times stronger than they really are <laughs> that no seriously that's a self-contradictory statement when you get jacked with adrenaline and okay. also your brain like scientists have discovered that your brain has an artificial governor that like it reserves mm. like wartime power for like things that could actually like exerting your full strength right. could could fucking pull tendons off your bone but you're right. you're still that capable of that feats of strength it, it could redline you mm-hmm. but you could do it a robot you know, could just choose to do it. Right. You know, so like, I don't know if they're superhuman, but even then, if they just had full capacity of their muscular strength at any time, it, they would still be someone that I wouldn't want to tussle with. Right. I think it's, it's like, well within a human's ability to lift that rock and crush their head with it. Sure. Again, so, and visible effort, like, what does that even mean with the term of a robot? Right. Like, just maximum effort, don't do your emotional affect, bam, that's what you'd get. Yeah. Um, but she says, I would, I would not want to pick a fist fight in town with a random host. And I'm curious if Dolores would be able to overpower the man in black mano a mano. Um, if she were to discard all of her software imperatives, I think those are interesting questions. And also, I think this episode asks us to think of that when she, the, the deputy that starts to haul her off, she kind of squares off and grabs him. Mm -hmm. And I'm not entirely sure he'd win that fight. Because, again, I think she's about as strong as your average that-shaped woman. I don't think she has, like, servos and shit based on the email we just read. But if she's capable of unlocking all of her strength. Right. We just don't know at this point what these robots are capable of. Right. But they are hinting at them potentially being dangerous in a physical way. So sure. Maybe they have super strength. Maybe they don't. We just don't have well, they, the clues yet. They were talking in a, in a recent Harmontown about the frightening thing about a chimpanzee is, like, you fight a person, even on a street, 
um, you're not going to like go for their eyes. You're not going to stick your thumbs in their eye sockets. You're not going to grab their not. testicles and rip them off. Some people not. will, but the vast majority of people have like an inborn humanity mm-hmm. where it's like the concept of fighting fair and not wanting to disfigure or maim a person kind of kicks in. Where like you fucking fight a chimpanzee, that's exactly what they're going. They're going to go try to rip your face off. They're going to try to go for your eyes. They're going to try to rip your dick off. That's why it's terrifying to fight a chimpanzee and a robot. <laughs> That's not the only reason. They're pretty strong. <laughs> they're also super – talking about super strong. They're right. like fucking super strong. Yeah. Um, but the robots have the same thing. They're, also, they, they have they like don't... four arms that will fuck you up. Hey, if you don't think Dolores has an opposable thumbs on her toes. <laughs> why not? If you don't think robots. she's like triple jointed – and, and, yeah. and could come at you like an octopus, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> you've got another thing coming. She just, like, the, her torso just starts spinning with her sure, arms out. Sure, she just dislocates she... her kneecaps. She comes at you like a fucking grapnel hook. It's and... like the world's end. It's like the bots in that. <laughs> the aliens. Adam from Florida. Have you ever met someone who, because of some strong emotion, shields themselves mentally from seeing an aspect of the reality before them? Of course, you meet them every day. It's my observation that nearly all persons live to some degree in such of a dream world, one that sets artificial barriers at I believe or I hope or I fear or I don't care. Are most persons truly conscious or are they selectively conscious? Dolores says some people choose to see the ugliness in this world, the disarray. I choose to see the beauty. If Dolores became able to see both, to see the world as it truly is, then she will be more conscious than nearly any human demonstrates themselves to be. Hmm. I, I think that's an interesting thing that we haven't fully articulated the fact that and that's i think i guess Hector why touches on it in this episode actually. i guess that's why i grant i choose to grant these human these robots some humanity because you're right if we just judge humanity based on how quote-unquote conscious you are n- almost nobody meets that criteria for every single aspect of their life oh sure like the people you nobody know people that choose to smoke people that choose to drink and drive people that choose to you know, become professional podcasters rather than sit at the and, and do the thing that has gotten them this far in life. Like that's kind of irrational behavior. Yeah, it's exactly that cognitive dissonance, of, right? That we're talking about this episode. Um, Everybody's got it to one degree or another. Yeah, and the, you know the fact if, if if you don't think you are, it's because you can't see your own bias. So right, <laughs> uh, it's always the other guy's the asshole. E and D. Uh, this is a few episodes late, but I recently rewatched episode two. A lot of people wondered if the child robot Ford talks to is supposed to be a recreation of him as a child. Uh, something about it made me want to see what Anthony Hopkins looked like, and the similarities to the child host were striking. Jim, I want to hit you with something. Observe. Oh, God. Anthony Hopkins as an old man. Anthony Hopkins as a child. That looks a hell of a lot like the robot we saw, Yes. Yeah, I mean his nose has gotten saggier and his. <laughs> I'm not talking about. I'm teeth talking, have all come out. I'm talking about <laughs> his foreheads turn into a mashed potato soup. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I think so. I kind of was dismissive of this theory, but holy shit, this guy that that yeah. robot looked a lot like young Anthony Hopkins for sure. I'm holding it up for the people watching at home. Yeah. Um, they continue to put on accordingly. Uh, apparently, according to this article that I cite, Hopkins himself keeps that picture of his ten-year-old self on his cell phone to remind him of how far he has come. So I imagine if the West, if the Westworld production staff said we're going to cast a child version of you, he would probably pull out the picture to show him what he looked like. Does this lead credence hmm. to the fact that Anthony Hopkins is talking to a deliberately programmed younger version of himself, or perhaps a son? 
I guess it does. Like an actual sun? Like a human sun? Yes. Yes. I guess it does, but I don't know to what end. Like, I guess I can no longer be dismissive of this theory because it does look a hell of a lot like an Anthony Hopkins, and he did have an English accent. Right. I mean, it totally could be. Uh, I don't... The kid didn't act like a son. The kid acted like a robot. Like, you tell a son you're never coming back here, right? And he's like, sure, Dad. Whatever. Oh, no, no. I'm not saying he's a real son. I'm saying that for whatever reason this we're supposed to understand, or we will eventually come to understand, that that is either a son that he lost and he is programmed to behave like that or a younger oh, version of himself. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Or it could be a joke that, like, they just did that intentionally, like, the actor Anthony Hopkins keeps a visual representation of himself to remind him of how far he's come, and though they gave that characteristic to Dr. Ford. Yeah, like, Dr. Maybe. Ford would keep a robot version of himself just to amuse himself or to remind him of of his mortality or whatever. Sure. But, yeah. I mean, it, the thing is, if it's significant, if, 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 if this is just a production, production joke, we'll never nothing more will come of it. If it's significant, we'll see the kid again. I wonder if it's common knowledge. Um to, to the people who work at the park because, you know, he, he says to Teresa this episode, like, I, I want you to know this isn't some, like, you know, in, in that he tears down this building. He's not some, like, kind of sentimental sort of, what does he say, that he's not going to Yeah, it's not going to be a retrospective. retrospective thing, right. yeah. Whereas these people might have that impression of him, given, sure. like, this robot boy he keeps hanging around. And also, I'm pretty sure that Robert Ford is a liar, He's he's lying. He's telling partial truths to yes. many people. So he could say this just to menace Teresa, but he could actually be a sentimentalist at heart. Sure. Uh, Neil in on the latest podcast, you're discussing the statement of Dr. Ford that the artificial intelligence that he and Arnold were de- uh, developing passed a Turing test within the first year and also said that the old Bill could not have passed a Turing test with the way he moves. Uh, according, the mechanical nature of his movements would have no effect on his ability to pass a Turing test. This if test you're was talking to him on the phone. Yeah, that, because okay. because the test was originally designed as not a measure of whether Android could pass itself off as a human, but merely a test of whether a computer could participate in a conversation with a human, right. In such a way that a third party who is reading the transcripts of the conversation would not be able to tell that the which was the human and which was the computer. Yeah, that's fair. So the, the Alan Turing came up with this as a thought experiment of essentially a person talking to uh, something on on a like on a, a, a terminal. Yeah. And they wouldn't be aware of whether it's a robot or a human. And, and if, if you couldn't tell, then you could say that that robot or that not a robot, artificial intelligence passed a Turing test. Mm-hmm. So he said he extrapolates saying, you know, eventually, I mean, I'm ready to concede. We were wrong. Sure. Yeah. Passing I mean, Turing that, test has nothing not to do with the physical. The and, and he's like, you know, it's very it, you, it's very believable, but they, that they would try to work out the the artificial intelligence before right. they worked at the robotics because that's, that's probably a, a bigger problem. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, in a lot of ways. And, you know, they, they may not be the actual, like, robotics experts, right? Sure. They may be the experts on They're the AI pioneers. It, it would be very unusual for someone human. to have both of those disciplines at the mastery shown. Right. Right? Um, so, yeah, you got us, Neil. Uh, Danny B, to me, HBO has used the Game of Thrones to skewer religion pretty hard, pointing out all the hypocrisy and its ability to control the masses. Oh, here's where I was, I was hoping that the, the viewers would help us out on these one-star reviews. 
most more most of the powerful characters don't seem to be true believers. I think there's a good chance if some religion is introduced in the story that it will be used to show how religion can be used to control people, especially simple, uneducated, or childlike people. Wink, wink. Obviously, the opposite is true as well. They could show how religious belief can be positive, but how? I have no fucking idea because I think religion is evil. Well, I can cool tell boy. you. So, so I can tell you one way that it could be positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the interpretation of the bicameral mind, right? Like, yep. if you can use that as a springboard to a better understanding of consciousness, I think that's valuable. You know, if if that needs to be a first step in the understanding of what consciousness is, right? And that helps you progress along that path. I think it's useful. Also, I want to just run with this like atheist assumption that religious people are religious because they need a crutch, you know, because that's often hmm. the comments like, oh, you know, you, you just can't deal with the fact that we're fucking only here for a couple of years and we're gone. That's sure. That's silly. Like if you take that to its logical conclusion, aren't you essentially mocking a handicapped person? Okay. Like if you went up to a guy with a literal crutch and said, well, you need a crutch, you fucking lame guy. Why don't you just get rid of the crutch and why yo, your foot hurts too bad? Like. Well, I think that's just as as ridiculous as saying that an atheist is only an atheist because they're mad at God. Or right, like that's equally absurd. Yeah, like, I mean, like let's let's like I I try to urge balance. Like yeah. let's not cast too many judging and aspersions of how people choose to get through this arbitrary existence we call life. Mm-hmm. Like it's I certainly judge their actions if they're doing this in a way that hurts people. But I know many Christians and Buddhists and. Uh, others that live perfectly of uh, shit like those guys from seattle are very are, are, are actual examples of christians who are not judgmental and are not trying to um you know legislate their beliefs and morality like you know who, gabe and Tycho. no i'm talking about eric and <laughs> levi okay. um bezos jeff bezos <laughs> jeff bezos yeah total uh but yeah like you know like i i just think uh i don't know i i, I try not to look down on people that don't think I, I can judge people's actions. I can't really judge their beliefs. I, I feel like that's a, a fairly new atheist's opinion on, on Christians because I, I can remember a time where I thought that like either a, they were delusional or sure. something like that. And I think it's much more nuanced and yeah. And if, and if you play that email off of the previous email where everyone's delusional about something, I guarantee it. Right. Uh, you might not even know that you're delusional about it yet. It, it's like, I guess that's the thing. Like I grew up, fervently believing in uh, you know old earth creationism a whole bunch of other things i see now as silly so i'm really kind of slow on the draw for for calling other people out for being silly uh tyson says if you two could go back to a westworld like park but themed whatever you wanted what world would you choose for me i'd be going uh, i'd go down into the walking dead world with the morgalizing oh. with the morgalizing uh themes turned way down <laughs> uh or i'm afraid i'd hold a rock over my head and bash my brains out until i was dead uh, but I enjoy trying to survive on my own in that world. My very close second pick, perhaps first on any other day, would be to go to a Star Trek The Next Generation world and join the bridge crew. Uh, also, so oh, any you, world? Because I, I actually, my first thought was Star Wars. Like that'd be pretty how sweet. Fucking as long badass. As you're a Jedi. That's what I'm saying. Just I wouldn't want to be like Neon Numb or something like that. Would be stupid. <laughs> the the pancake flapping uh-huh. guy, the co-pilot for Lando. Although I guess he gets to fly through the Death Star. Hell yeah, yeah and that's pretty sweet. Hell yeah, he does. Comes out the other side, but I wouldn't want to be like, uh, I don't know, a, a Twi'lek slave of Jabba. <laughs> That'd be no fun. No, no. But I think yeah, like this. Uh, most of the technology seems like they can make you a pretty convincing Jedi, and that would be badass. 
It would be. You could even be a dark Jedi if you want to do it, all, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, he also wonders, do you think a world like Westworld could survive as it is and be a popular attraction without some sort of gamification built in? I'm afraid after a while of observing life in a different time period, I'd probably get bored even if I could do whatever I wanted. Now, if there are challenges or games of consequences, like having to leave if you lose or not letting getting to continue the storyline, I'm in. That's, I guess, a central thing, is the reason video games are fun is because you have to restart and work hone a skill until you can get through this difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas the way Westworld is construed is you essentially have God mode enabled all the time. Quickest way to destroy a video game, as my 10-year-old is discovering, is to cheat code everything. Like, yeah. you turn a game that might keep you occupied for 30 hours into a game that you're bored of in 15 minutes. Yeah. Because you've removed all the skill and all the progression to it. Mm-hmm. So they haven't really addressed that on Westworld, except for, I guess, Ed Harris's Man in Black, who manifestly, once he realized he has got God mode, has got bored very quickly. And left, yeah. Sure. Hasn't been back in a while. But on the other hand, there's things that are enjoyable in and of themselves, like you know, having sex with a w- w- uh, old-timey Western robot probably is as roughly fun as having sex with anybody else. Like having sure. sex with a supermodel yeah. quality person who would not otherwise have sex with you and guarantee that you're not going to get them pregnant and you're not going to get a disease. Mm-hmm. And if they're not real people, maybe that's something you could sell to your significant other. Like that stuff seems like it would have a timeless <laughs> quality to it. Uh, I ain't trying to set the high score. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Just trying to set a personal record. <laughs> sure. Sure. I don't care what you can do. This is what I'm doing. So... Um, that I, that I guess is a standalone thrill. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the people who get bored in real life might have trouble in a world like that eventually. Mm. Like, if you're an exceptionally bored person in your natural state, then I think once those charms of being able to do anything and everything wear off, um, yeah, you're not going to be able to find any fun. Yeah. The same way that you can't find the fun in the real world, because there's plenty of fun to be had out there. But I also think that that the world like this could probably the amount of times that you'd have to make that trip before it got boring would be pretty high, and they're getting a lot of money out of you. And then, like once you get bored, they'll have a new attraction out. They'll have a new storyline. Uh, you've got your kids and now you want to take them to see, like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, like when you're a parent, you get to relive all that cool stuff through your child's eyes now. So like, I, I just feel like that that's still not going to be a huge limit. It's not like everyone's going to do Westworld and the whole world. And then it just sits empty. Right. So, and if, and if, yeah, I mean, so how do they handle grinding in Westworld? Because Grinding's a real problem in video games. Like, oh, fuck, I don't sure. have enough gold for this thing. I got to sit here for three hours and grind on uh, mole people or something. Right, like, yeah. Because they, if, if you got like, the thing what if that you wanted, that's half the reason we play MMOs is because we want stuff. Once right. you get the stuff, then you need either more compelling stuff or you stop playing. So yeah, what if there's like a quest you want to go on and the guy won't like take you to the place unless you pay him a certain amount of gold and you don't sure. have the gold? and sure. And you shot him 15 times trying to get him to take right. you there, and he just won't do it without the money. Like, Right, so that's the thing. Like, I feel like Westworld aggressively tries to not think about those gamification problems that would... Right. You know, because... While it, still thinking about other ones. It's Well, because it's not like you can... Gr- so, like, Westworld, if you grind it for 500 hours, you're paying a shit ton of money. Like, it, if, if you could subscribe to Westworld, 
So instead of like, you know, uh, $40,000 a day, it was $40,000 for an unlimited. That's where they'd probably have to start doing quests and shit like that. And then you'd have Mm -hmm. the perpetual bitching about the power gamers and the casuals, you know. Like, they both want different things and want to progress at different... They clearly do have quests. I mean, and the other thing they have that games don't have is someone guiding you, right? Like, they have someone monitoring you and saying, oh, this person isn't having a good time, let's give them something, you know? Right. So... Uh, Lori H. wrote in about Christina's World, the painting that you mentioned as a um, uh, inspiration for uh, yeah. Dolores's. Dolores. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say I said you didn't know anything about Christina's World. It's by artist Andrew Wythe. The subject is a paralyzed girl who is crawling home. Oh. I live in Brandywine Valley in Pennsylvania where the artist lived, painted, and where the art is displayed. When you think about it as an inspiration for Dolores, she's also paralyzed in a way by staying on her loop. By being trapped in her world, she's crippled from developing any further, which I think has got some real parallels to her character. No, right on. I actually looked up this, and, and it, I guess it's supposed to be a girl with polio hmm. who's trying to crawl back to home and, 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 and have that life where she can walk. And, and also it's very thematic because it does look like an old farmhouse on the prairie. Mm-hmm. So it does feel very Dolores, especially if you take this level that Lori's here is talking about. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for writing in for that. Ben B, uh, I want to talk about the stray, specifically about the conjecture about Dr. Ford's objective and motivation. I perceive this character thus far very differently than you. I do not think that Ford is trying to develop true consciousness. Rather, I think Ford is a true megalomaniac who loves power and godlike ability he enjoys as the creator of his world. As such, the greater the perception of reality he can imbue the host and world with, the greater his feeling of godhood. However, true consciousness would give the host free will and ultimately he would lose his power. I think this is why he rejects the storyline the writer presents in episode 2 and why it's said that he hasn't approved one for some time. Additionally, I think it explains the introduction of Wayne in the black church he shows to Bernard. Since Wayne supposedly can hear the word of God by allowing uh, the... Wait, it's not Wayne... Um, shit. Who, who's the the why? Is it Wyatt? Wyatt he's, is the the crazy guy who leads. The okay, masks. yeah. He's 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 consistently said Wayne. It's actually Wyatt. Okay. okay, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to edit this in my head. We'll see how it goes. Since Wyatt supposedly can hear the word of God by allowing the Wyatt story to grow and dominate the world, he could establish his power as that voice in a more involved way. It might also give him a safeguard against the board members, as there seems to be motivation to remove him with a sense that he's too old. If it were done in such a way as to make it difficult, if not impossible, to remove him without severely damaging the park. His efforts towards perceived realism in the update could have had an unintended consequence of going beyond simply perceived consciousness. What do you make of this? The fact that we're wrong and he's not trying to achieve consciousness, he's actively trying to suppress it. I mean, I suppose that could be true, but I'm not sure how that lines up with Bernard because Ford seems to be goading Bernard on. In a lot of ways, but he's also like trying with these to... reveries. I mean, we know that yeah. Ford introduced those reveries, and that he called them mistakes, and that Bernard pointed them out, and he kind of, you know, said, "Hey, you didn't shut it down." Like, I'm not sure. I, Ford is a, still a bit of an enigma to me. I'm not sure what his motivations are. Sure, we uh, keep getting more information, but yeah, it's it's very much it is open clear to he, interpretation. He does view himself as a god. So, sure. I mean, he said as much in this episode yep. they, th- that him and Arnold were gods of this place. This and, world. This is not right. a theme park. This is a world that I have created. Yeah. Um, whether that leads him down the path toward imbuing them with consciousness or not, I don't know yet. 
Here's an interesting email that has talks about a lot about this this game layer of the world that we're exploring. Scott V just want to share something interesting I read about. Uh, there's been some studies that suggest acting amorally in a virtual environment can actually lead to a more pro-social behavior in the real world. He linked me to this uh, uh, article from the uh, University of Buffalo, uh, State University of New York, where they did this study. And they gave test subjects, were given virtual tasks that are considered immoral or unethical. These were not anti-hero behaviors where you can justify killing bad people in your mind like we talked about last week. Like, I would, I could play Michael Corleone. I don't know that I could play just like a serial killer. Mm -hmm. Um, These are straight-up evil acts. To our brains, evil acts committed virtually or in reality are the same thing. Subjects reported feeling extremely guilty for such evil acts committed. Researchers found that such guilt can lead players to be more sensitive to the moral issues they violated during their gameplay, to essentially act more moral due to the guilt that they feel. I find this fascinating, especially for Westworld. I'm curious if any of the creators know the studies, and I would like to see this explored in the guests who come there. What do you guys think? That feels like a real bad reason to act morally in the real world. Like, I feel immense guilt. I feel the weight, the burden of all the souls I've taken in this simulation. And so I feel that constantly. That's a horrible way to live. Uh, Just completely guilt-ridden. But it may have that effect. Well, I don't even know that. It's more like... If you could simulate, like, raping or killing someone or torturing an animal, like, most people don't stop to think about that, and maybe they get caught up in a moment where they otherwise wouldn't. Um, So, like, if you were able to feel that shame and, like, at a visceral level in some kind of safe environment, then when you were confronted that stimulus in the real world, you'd remember, you know. Like, I Mm -hmm. mean, I, I I, I feel like... Like you're just interested. There's this stuff where people are becoming aware of the problems of like rape and sexual assault and whatnot. And like I've seen a lot of things where the the men to, to do this afterwards either don't think about it one way or another, or they feel like horribly guilty. Like I don't know. Maybe if you, this is a weird kind of like uh, almost um, clockwork orange thing to do. But if you could take people in high school and have them simulate like murder or like heroin addiction or raping someone like would that actually reduce the prevalence of the real crime in the real world or would it give you a taste for or it? would it give well i mean I'm, that's the that's right, the other that like the i'm sure that there's like if you had the psychopaths that actually would probably maybe even possibly awaken something they wouldn't otherwise do but it's like the ai car right right, right. are you saving yeah. more people than you than you kill yeah i I don't know. I mean, if if he's saying there are studies that sh- that bear this out with uh, experimental data, maybe mm. maybe there's something to it. But well, I'll I, link that in the show notes. This is an article from the University of Buffalo, and I'll also link, of course, Anthony Hopkins' little childhood picture as well. If you want to check that out and uh, decide for yourself. Uh, Inez said, I was listening to your podcast in episode three, and it was really interested, or I was really interested in the idea that introducing religion can be a way for people or robots to start asking philosophical questions about their existence and purpose in life, thus developing a consciousness. Mm -hmm. There's been something bothering me about this whole introduction of religion thing. You've mentioned that you're, you know what, this is somewhat dry pie, because this is the person just saying that the the, the one cousin of... um, Lawrence was actually praying. They say, saying Santa ah. Santa Maria, Madre de Dios, uh, which is saying you know in, in, praying for uh, Mother uh, of God. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a Spanish version of Hail Hail Mary. Right. So yes, I think you're right, Inez, and we were wrong. There is some level of religion already in this world, hmm. um, or at least 
the his the host are programming with an awareness of the mythology that would be appropriate for their character. Right. That's not the same as saying robots have religion. Or is it? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Uh, Jim J said the entrance of the human workers to clean up the dead host is problematic. Uh, here are a few of the reasons. Guests would be this. So this is my hang up too. Uh, guests would be awake at all hours of the night partying. There would be no quiet time. Living hosts would see the human workers and be freaked out. Guests would also go to sleep at night with the dead scattered all over town and wake up in the morning with the dead gone, the blood cleaned up, and the damage done to structures repaired. And he says the solution's obvious. You should just have host grave diggers and host preachers collecting the dead. You should have host painters and glass workers and woodworkers repairing the damage throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't have an answer for why they don't do just that. This seems like one of those things where you're going to have to just choose to go with it because they want this Native American and alien imagery for it to be extra horrific and confusing to the hosts, but it doesn't really make sense. You know what I want to see? I want to see a scene of them actually transporting something from Westworld, like Sweetwater. Mm-hmm. back to the facilities where they work on them. I mean, we've already that seen... would give us a lot of insight into where this is taking place, how far they are from it. Like, But we've already seen like Anthony Hopkins pop up out of an elevator in the middle of a desert. I assume there's that shit all over Sweetwater, too. Right, but he's working on a massive area. Like, I'm... Sure. Yeah, I, I just, I guess I want to see the connections. I want to see more yeah. connections between Westworld and the facilities. I, I agree. I would like to see the artifice, the where the artifice begins. Yeah. Like behind the bar and Sweetwater. We've seen the is, train. We've seen where it begins for yeah, like from that, the, the guest perspective. Yeah. But that's still a very blurred, like that's where you know the interface is. So you want to make that as blurry as possible, right? Right. Although it's not really. You go <laughs> you, at the end of a hallway, you board a moving train. Right. So maybe not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I would like to see like is behind the bar, like the bar of Sweetwater. There are big banks of computers. There are big. There obviously have to be power cables running all over the place. Like, and I was thinking like if you had workers, like people collecting bodies and taking them to the morgue, mm-hmm. would the morgue have like a series of elevators that they could then transport? Sure. And and what happens if you look in a coffin where a body was just taken and that body's not there anymore right. because it's being worked on in the lab? Like. Right. You know what? That's what I'd do like my third or fourth trip to Westworld. I'd be like, so it's cool if Find I the edges. Yeah. It's cool if I could just destroy or break anything, right? And I'd just take a crowbar and start dismantling my hotel room at the Sweetwater right. Inn. Like, oh, there's the fiber optic cables and also you know <laughs> like see right. season like what people like, uh, sir, could you not could you not? Now someone's got to go and fix that. I know? wonder if you could do so much damage to Westworld in a single Did they session. Kick, they invite you not to stay? Right, that you've actually caused them. You've, I'm sure. You've incurred larger costs than sure. you paid to go there. Yeah, like that shit's already like if you go to Walt Disney World and just start. Get some dynamite. Just start blowing up Jeez. cities. Just like we haven't seen the depths of human depravity sure. here. We sure. can go farther. I mean, I guess what they would do is it seems like. You know, there's some guys like Ed Harris that are high roller that get to do right. stuff with sticks of dynamite, but then the dumb fuck that gets arrested at the end, yeah, they would he would just get foiled and then they uh-huh. divert him onto the poor plot. So I, I think they have kind of hinted at how they deal with with that stuff. Uh, Peter G. So today I got an impassioned pitch by a friend today about how Bernard is totally a robot, and I gave <laughs> and I gave my frustrated, angry, I don't want it to be so pitch black, uh, back. <laughs> admitting that I'm probably still frustrated by the Mr. Robot season two mid season reveal. Mm, okay. At this point, I by the time but 
at that point I harped on was that like the VR timelines or theories, once people latch on to their pet theory, they can find details that are wedged in any theory because this show is so rich and layered with complexity. Mm-hmm. In a sense, once they've got a theory, it's easy to twist the evidence to fit it. Welcome to my mailbag, man. As I yep. said... Welcome to conspiracy theories in general. Yes. Yes. As I said it, I realized, isn't this almost exactly the speech Bernard gave us, uh, t- or gave to the female technician about not seeing astrology and religion and Orion and a star carving because, oh, by the way, that's not even Orion? Is it possible the showrunners are warning us that this show is going to be full of false flags and we should maybe just keep our eyes on the prize and sit back and watch? Uh, Maybe. I think, that might be what they're doing. I think so. I mean, we've talked about these meta-level discussions, especially in The Leftovers and, and mm-hmm. True Detective, where it's like some of this stuff, are they actually meta-talking to the fandom or meta-poking fun or having a laugh with us or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, trying to gently hurt us back on track? And it's one of those things where you just created a theory that unless you po- posited it to the showrunners and got a... Uh, a committed answer back, you know, it's, it's funny because you're just meta fan fictioning now. Right. <laughs> you're meta theorizing. I, I guess my perspective on this is I'm, I'm going to entertain theories and have fun discussing them, but I'm sure. going to very quickly let them go. And yes. if anything ruminates online yeah. uh, to where it starts to make sense, yeah. um, all of some of the game of Thrones theories that sure. were out there, yeah. then I'll start to seriously pay attention to them. Right. But until that point, it's all speculation. Yeah, it's just I, information, man. That's how I deal. This is a very fluid thing. Like, I'm not going to dismiss anything. I'm not going to believe everything. I have my own private ones that I like, and maybe they get a yeah. little bit more heat because I'm the one that's, you know, making these editorial decisions. You're rooting for him. But um, I'm not actively suppressing anything. And as evidence mounts, like, you know. Right. You revisit them. That's how the mailbag works. Like, when 30 people say something, like, I sit up and pay it more attention than, like, if one person has uh, a theory de jour. Unless it happens to appeal to my own biases, and then sure, bing, pluck you out of ether. Doug L. This week we got a little more insight into Doctor Ford's plan. I noticed something that might be an additional clue. When the character was initially introduced, he was just Ford, which I assumed is a nod to Henry Ford. That wouldn't be much of an association, since yes, he runs a giant assembly line, but that doesn't mean very much. Last week we learned from the flashback that his name is actually Robert Ford, and that's a name that has great significance in Western history and lore. Robert Ford famously gunned down Jesse James. He was a member of James' gang who had bought off and betrayed his boss. This makes him the Judas of the Old West. But more than that, one could argue that in killing arguably the most famous outlaw, he also killed the romance of Old West itself, helping bring that era to a close. Turning this then to Westworld, it seems the show is so detail-oriented that this association is something they want us to make. Ford's sinister monologue heavily implies he betrayed and killed Arnold, and at the same time, he's literally bulldozing Westworld to pave the way for something new. What this name association means beyond this, I haven't riddled out yet, but I thought it might be worth keeping in mind as the show progresses. I thought this was pretty cool. Yeah. Because it does tend to put, you know, the metaphorical thumb on the scale towards Ford being... You know, and plus we talked about the Judas steer. Maybe we're looking in the wrong place. Could be Ford himself. Uh, the fact huh. that he b- was bought off and he betrayed his boss. Like I know that it's it's you know he wasn't uh, the Arnold wasn't his boss. He was his partner. But that's mm-hmm. not a very strained metaphor, right? I don't know. Something to keep in mind going yeah. forward. <laughs> yeah. No. Super hmm. cool. Super cool theory. Uh, that's all we got for this week. Uh, 
send emails to westworld at baldmove.com or get on the forums. Lots of threads uh, every week discussing theories and things people have noticed and what they think about the episode at forums.baldmove.com. But yeah, going to be halfway through the season next episode. It'll be interesting to see how much stuff is starting to crystallize. I feel like every week we're getting big, big pieces of information. Big pieces of the puzzle are falling into place. You think by the end of this season we're going to have an answer to the maze? And, and Arnold's I hope it's not just a goal. hatch. I hope it's not just a hatch moment where it's yeah, like... Yeah, it can't just be an elevator out of the place. Like, that would no. be ridiculous. It's got to be the significance of what Arnold was doing. I That's guess what I would, the end of this maze has to be. At the bare minimum, I'd like to know what the little girl meant when she said Ed, to Ed Harris that this isn't meant for you. Uh-huh. And why Bernard is, in, on, in contrast, deliberately sending Dolores... Yeah, I mean, those feel like threads that are going to be wrapped up at the end of this season. It does, but me. also, I guess I'm, it's too early to say I'd be disappointed if they don't, because right. I don't know what other answers, uh, what, what answers we'll get and what answers we won't. Because, you know, obviously, if they have five years of this planned, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of stuff that we won't know. Right. And there will be mis- intentionally mysterious. Maybe it's an anthology. Maybe we're going to get Roman world or sci-fi world yeah, I don't know during the next season. I don't know about that. Probably not. Because that's, that, uh, I don't know, work well for the wire. Who knows? Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll, mm-hmm. we, we will see. Uh, until, uh, so I guess that's it. Yeah. I have no great transition. This is all very awkward. It's just going to end. I do. Bye. <laughs> Send <laughs> no. in the machine to bulldoze the podcast. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>